expected to be hit. A rally will be held at Westminster while George Osborne delivers the budget. In other news, a £4,000 reward's being offered for information about the death of a motorcyclist in High Wycombe last October. 52-year-old Jeremy Edwards from Loudwater died after his blue Honda hit a large piece of concrete that had been deliberately moved into the carriageway. The incident on Dawes Hill Lane happened at around 6.30am on Sunday, October the 7th. Wind turbines almost as high as the London Eye could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're given the go-ahead at a planning meeting today. Aylesbury Vale District Council will decide whether to give permission for four turbines to be built at Stoke Hammond. Lorna Hankin has the details. The developers Force 9 Energy submitted their plans to erect the turbines and associated buildings next to Dorcas Lane back in December 2011. They say it will generate enough energy to power nearly 5,000 homes, but residents say they're too tall, very near to homes, and that the wind farms are an unreliable source of energy. A decision is expected to be made today at the meeting, which starts at one o'clock. A major building and restoration project about to begin at Bletchley Park. The National Lottery is covering the £7 million cost of the work, time to finish in co- to coincide with the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings in June 2014. The Codebreakers Hut will be restored and Block C will become a visitor's centre, as architect Kennedy O'Callaghan explains. Our approach to this building is to restore it to its wartime layout and character. And the idea being that when you enter into Block C, you step back in time and you begin to see what Bletchley Park was like during the war. In sport, some good news for Luton Town. They beat Stockport 1-0 in the conference last night with skipper Steve McNulty scoring the only goal in the first half. The weather, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Do us a favour. Yeah. Next time you um, do the weather and you say sunshine, could you do it oasis styly? <laughs> just, I just, it would, it would sound nice to me, and I'm hoping to some of the listeners as well. Oh, you're thinking a bit more sunshine. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Thank you. Morning. That was uh, that. That set me up in the mood for the show this morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. How are you this morning? Tough day yesterday, very tough day. Car broke down twice on the way home. Oh, I'll bore you with that later on, don't worry. Lots coming up this morning, including Sing Hosanna's children, it's budget day. The Chancellor will lay out his economic plans for the next year. I'll be finding out exactly what it means for you. A housing association is being criticised because they're questioning whether tenants could afford Sky, TV, fags, booze and bingo. Is there anything wrong with that? Sky's a luxury, isn't it? If you're struggling with the so-called bedroom tax and you've got Sky, well, you have no right to complain. And to be a guest on this programme, we don't just take anybody on. It takes a lot of effort. Find out why a Kings Langley man is running 80 miles from his home to our studio in Luton just to do an interview. That's right, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, Ian, that's absolutely correct. I'm in Kings Langley live right now. Matthew Loddy, he is gearing up to do 30 marathons in 30 days and he's going to be running 80 miles from his home here in Kings Langley to meet you in our studios in Luton, hopefully before 9 o'clock. Will he make it? Stay tuned, you'll find out more. Tell him to get a Wiggle on, please, Justin. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, budget day, budget day, budget day. 
Later today, the Chancellor, George Osborne, will deliver his fourth budget. He's doing it against the backdrop of one of the worst economic climates in a century. Well, to coincide with today's budget, there's a strike by public services union and rallies taking place. Government offices across beds, hearts and bucks are affected. Among the places where there are pickets, uh, among the places where there are pickets in the tax office in George Street in Luton. Well, our business reporter is uh, Tony Bonsignori. Uh, So, Tony, what's happening? What uh, will be the general message from the Chancellor today? Uh, good morning, yeah. I think that, I think the general message from George Osborne today uh, is a difficult one. I think he has a balancing act here. On the one hand, I think he wants to be positive. I think he wants to talk about the recovery that's underway. But on the other, other hand, I think he needs to acknowledge that is, this is a very, very disappointing economic environment. And also the public finances as well. Not at all where he would have wanted them to be uh, three years ago, nearly three years ago now when the coalition came into power. So uh, I think there will be, as I say, very, very kind of... Uh, very delicate balancing act and also expect to hear a lot about strivers as well this is going to be the big political message i think from the conservatives certainly up till the next election they say they want a budget for people who want to work hard and get on oh dear that's that's me out of the running then what what bad news can we expect tony Right, I think most of the bad news is going to be on the economy. It's the big stuff is going to be where there's the really bad news. So I say we've got also get today we get the latest forecast from the Independent Office for Budget Responsibility. I think they might yet downgrade their forecasts again. Already the government, you might remember, has pushed back its plans to eliminate the structural deficit. That's the kind of underlying deficit, the bit that doesn't go up and down with the economy. It was supposed to get rid of that by 2015. Now it's not going to be 2018. I mean, it might be pushed back further. It's unlikely, given that the autumn statement was only three months ago. But the real bad news, I think, is going to be spending cuts. We've already heard about this over the past 24 hours. Another £2.5 billion to be cut across Whitehall, and that's not good news for public servants, not good news for the public sector. Will there be any good news at all? Yeah, there'll be lots of sweeteners, I think, in this today. If the big picture is grim today, and it is likely to be grim, and of course, you know, the way it's manifesting itself for most of us is the big squeeze. We're all feeling prices going up quicker than our wages, or most of us are uh, anyway. There are going to be things in here the government, you know, wants to try and help people, wants to leave people feeling a bit better. So, for example, working parents, we already know that the government's planning uh, to provide some money for childcare for working parents. Low earners, well, they might get some help too. The personal tax allowance might be increased. Motorists might be yet another uh, delay or even cancellation of a planned rise in fuel bu- duty. And the other area I'll point you to, homeowners as well, might be an expanded right to buy scheme uh, or even kind of mortgage guarantees for prospective homeowners. So all those areas, I think there will be these little sweeteners. I think the Chancellor uh, wants, by the time he sits down about half half past one, he doesn't feel want us to feel all completely miserable. He wants us to feel that there is something to look forward to. Tony Bontenoy, business reporter, thank you very much indeed. Well, this morning, dear listener, I'm going to give you the chance. I'm going to make you the chancellor what one thing would you change what one thing as chancellor would you change to well to, to pull us out of this mess i guess oh eight four five nine four double five five double five you dear listener are my chancellor this morning give me one thing that you would include in the budget to help you help your family help your your town or your county oh eight four five nine four double five five double five going off on a tangent i'm having a real soft spot for paul mccartney at the moment even the slightly schmaltzy songs i can wait another day Until I call you You've only got my heart 
everything a flutter But another lonely night Might take forever We've only got each other to blame It's all the same to me, love Cause I know a lot of flack. Okay, some of it is justified and there'll be people sneering there'll be all the, the, the people on the internet sneering I've pay, played No More Lonely Nights by Paul McCartney. Right? All of you sneerers, you go and write a song half as good as that. I, d- I dare you. Go and write a song half as good 
as No More Lonely Nights by Paul McCartney. You won't be able to. I during um, one of uh, Catherine Boyle's uh, TD, uh, sorry during one of Catherine Boyle's news breaks. I'm going to go to a, a well-known internet retailer and treat myself to a cheeky best of Paul McCartney. That's what I'm going to do. I can see you eating producer Laura next door. How dare you? I know you're pregnant and stuff, but for goodness sakes, don't snack. Very, very, very horrible day yesterday. I won't bore you too much, but I feel I have to let someone know. You know, I didn't come in on Monday because my car broke down. Well, the, um, some people came out and fixed it. A roadside recovery service came out and fixed it. Right? Broke down twice on the way home yesterday. I got home at five o'clock. The first time it broke down was off the A1 near the M25. Lansdowne Road was the name, or was the name of the road. I phoned up the recovery service. Where are you, sir? In Lansdowne Road. Where's that? It's just off the A1, just before the M25. Okay. And where's that? Excuse me? What area are you in? I don't know. I've given you the street name. That's actually quite, it's quite specific. Don't know. We need to know the area you're in, sir. I've given you the street name! Anyway, the fella came and fixed it. Ten minutes later, it went again. The coils, for those interested, my coil's gone. It was like speed yesterday. If I kept it above 50 miles an hour, the momentum would keep it moving. If I went below 50, I had to pull over, lift up the bonnet and whack the engine. Broke down again as well on the way home. Oh, what a day. Never mind, I'm here. That's the main thing. I stayed in a very luxurious hotel last night in Luton, just for you, dear listener. I'm paying, I'm paying to present this show for you, and I hope you appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. 08459 455 555. If you're struggling with this so-called bedroom tax, get rid of Sky, stop smoking and give up the bingo. That's what one councillor is saying in the north of England, and do you know what? I kind of agree. Right, coming up to 6.15, let's get the travel news now. Here's James Wally. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Well, looking okay on the motorways at the moment. M1 moving well on camera. No problems uh, on the uh, M25. Just checking the uh, roadworks between junctions 23 and 25. There's a 50 mile an hour limit for the major works, of course, there, but uh, no problems at the moment. And no reported problems for the A6 or the A5. If you're heading onto the trains, generally a good service across the three counties. I'm James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much. Right, it's 6.15, it's Wednesday the 20th of March, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor will deliver his budget today, hoping to avoid the bruising criticism that met his efforts last year. Workers at the government's tax office in Luton will be among thousands of civil service union members staging a 24-hour strike today in dispute over pay, pensions and working conditions. In sport, MK Dons lost 2-1 at Crewe last night and had defender Anthony Kay sent off in the second half. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees. Sunshine. Coming up, work to create a new visitor centre and to restore some of the code-breaking huts at Bletchley Park is about to begin. We'll find out more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer, across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. This Friday, my tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks continues live from the Star and Garter in Silso. Nick Coffer. I'll be learning about the art of bell ringing with the Guild of Bell Ringers, meeting loads of local personalities and bringing you live music. Weekdays from 12. Plus, I'll be joining Fibs and Fables, a group of storytellers who enjoy nothing more than biscuits, open fires and good books. Nick Coffer. Live from the Star and Garter in Silso this Friday from midday. BBC Three Counties Radio. I love that music. 
I, I, I want that as my ringtone. That's the bounciest, happiest music I've ever heard. Apart from the music, when you phone up Royal Mail, I don't know if it is, a few years ago, their hold music was wonderful. I once phoned them up, and they, they yes, can I help you, Royal Mail? Yeah, could you put me back on hold, please? I want to hear the music. Um, okay. And they did. Wonderful. Now, I must get on, because we've got to do this quickly, otherwise the, the whole show depends on these next two minutes. A man from Kings Langley is running 18 miles from his home to Luton just to do an interview in our studios. He's called Matthew Loddy. We're giving him two and a half hours to get here. He's out and about with our marathon correspondent, the superfix <laughs> Justin Dealey. Justin. Ian, you're absolutely spot on. Um, Matt, can you just describe to our listeners what you're wearing, first of all, this morning? Um, I've got a nice skin-tight pair of... Uh Skin bottoms, yeah. compression tights, uh, shorts, uh, luminous top and a vest. Looking the part. Now, some people may be thinking, why on earth are you running 18 miles to go and speak to Ian Lee, Kings Langley to Luton? But this is in preparation for your new challenge, 30 marathons in 30 days, which starts this weekend. Yes, starts this weekend in sunny Scotland. The weather forecast isn't too good. Uh, yes, the, the, today it was an ideal opportunity. I'm going running anyway, so why not run to a radio station and get some exposure? I mean, in saying that, though, when somebody phoned you and said, Hi, it's uh, BBC Three Counties Radio here. Um, can you run from Kings Langley to Luton for an interview? You must have thought we were mad. Uh, well, yes, I thought it was a little bit of a strange request, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's worth doing. We can see you in preparation. So you're doing this for a fantastic course, hoping to raise thousands of pounds. Tell us more about that. Yes, I'm trying to raise um, thousands and thousands of pounds, hopefully £100,000, for Teenage Cancer Trust, a charity we support um, that looks after, as it says, teenagers 13 years old to 25 in the worst possible time of their life. And people might recognise your name because last year you went a bit further. You did 100 marathons. Yes, if anybody's just waking up, you're not hearing things. You did 100 marathons in 100 days. Yes, I did. Um, not, I'm actually not a runner. I started running 19 months ago. Before that, I'd done a half marathon 13 years before. Um, I put the couch pounds on. Um, unfortunately, a friend passed away. And I promised to do that. I said I'd run 100 marathons in 100 days. So I trained and I did that last January to uh, April. Fair play to you. Right, one final question. Uh, we know you're going to be running from here to Luton. Tell us about the route. How long is it going to take? Will you make it before 9 o'clock? Uh, hopefully I'll make it before 9 o'clock. I'm running through Kings Langley High Street, through to Hemel Hempstead, right through the Marlows, up the Old Town, onto the Redbourne Road. Circ uh, round Redbourne into Harpenden, along Harpenden up and down into Luton. You're a brave man. Matt, on your way. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very okay, much. so the route uh, starts right now, Ian. Justin, uh, Justin, yeah. sorry, are you... Because you're going to be following him all day. Oh, yes, Are you yes. not running with him? No. What are you doing? <laughs> well, I, I'm obviously watching and, you know, um, commentating. You're in the car, aren't you? I'm in the car, yes. And, you, and yes. you're so lazy today, you've even got someone, you've got Hugo yeah. in to drive the car for you. <laughs> That's not true. Hugo is here to take photographs of this <laughs> incredible event, uh, which is going to be happening live across Ben okay. Sarsenburg. So, yes, we're going to be in the radio car. We're going to be behind Matt, so look out for us. You've heard the route there. Hopefully, leaving in around 30 seconds, Matt now is, is doing Send something, quite what he's doing. But uh, hopefully he's going to be with you in our studios at 10 to 9, telling you more about his new challenge, 30 marathons yeah. in 30 days. He's, he's slacking, Justin. He did 100 marathons, and now he's only down to 30. <laughs> what a slacker. Justin, excellent stuff. We'll speak to you later on. That's uh, Justin Dealey out there with Matthew Loddy, who's running 18 miles to get to the studio today. Uh, if you want to make a donation, you can do, of course. Text uh, To make a £3 donation, text the word RUN30 to 7300. 70 0300 and Teenage Cancer Trust receives 100% of every text donation. You're a fallen star, you're the getaway car, you're the line in the sand. When
can I go too far? You're the swimming pool on an August day, and you're the perfect thing to say. And you play it coy, but it's kind of cute. Oh, when you smile at me, you know exactly what you do, baby. Don't pretend that you don't know it's true, 'cause you can see it when I look at you. And in this crazy life, and through these crazy times, it's you, it's you. You make me sing your every line, your every word, your everything. You're a carousel. You're a wishing well, and you light me up when you ring my bell. You're a mystery. You're from outer space. You're every minute of my every day, and I can't believe that I'm your man, and I get to kiss you, baby, just because I can. Whatever comes our way, I will see it through. That's what our love can do. And in this crazy life, and through these crazy times, it's you, it's you. You make me sing your every line, your every word, your everything. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's coming up to 6.24. Now, work to create a new visitor centre and to restore some of the code-breaking huts at Bletchley Park is about to begin. The restoration work was made possible thanks to over £7 million of heritage lottery money. It's due to be completed by June 2014 to coincide with the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. We sent our reporter, Tony Fisher, who served in the Second World War, for a behind-the-scenes look, and he started by talking to the chief executive of the park, Ian Standen. Ian, we're standing in hut six used during the war for code breaking we're standing outside this room which we can't actually go into because basically it's got no floor the floor's collapsed looks like the part of the roof is collapsing there's wires dangling down from it the radiators at an angle uh, the windows at an angle (laughs) how how are you going to set about going back to restoring it to its original glory if that's the right word 
Well, our, our architects and, and our project managers will um, look at how we can coordinate all this, but basically we'll be left in many cases with just the frameworks of the building with all the, the, the panelling taken out and replaced. Where it's fit for purpose, it can go back in. Where it's not, it'll be replaced by um, either like-for-like material or where, for things like asbestos, we can't put asbestos back in, we'll replace them with appropriate replacements. So how do you recreate what was sort of going on here? Are you going to put desks in and that sort of thing? or A combination of techniques. what called light-touch interpretation. So perhaps one room like this might well be um, dressed with desks and what have you to look like it was during the war, perhaps with projection on the wall showing the images of a, a chap or what have you working here. Another room perhaps across the corridor here might just have audio-visual telling the story. Others might just be dressed, just be, just be left um, as, as they were. Mm. Um, so it gives people a sort of feel as they walk through to get an idea of the atmosphere in here. So a bit of sound just evoking you know, perhaps typewriters, telephones going off, that sort of thing. Kennedy O'Callaghan, architect. Kennedy, we've moved into block C, which was the card indexing block. This is also in a very dilapidated state. Uh, There's pigeon poo everywhere, roofs are falling in, windows are in a state, cobwebs everywhere, a bit like the huts. This is the block that's going to be turned into the the visitor centre. I mean, it's hard to see that in its present state, but this is going to be the first thing that people see when they come into the centre, isn't it? Yes. And our approach to this building is to restore it to its wartime layout and character. And the idea being that when you enter into Block C, you step back in time and you begin to see what Bletchley Park was like during the war. We have wartime plans of the building and we can remove partitions which were put in when it was used as a training college by GCHQ. And we know the original layout of the building and we'll revert to that. Hi, my name's Steve Prowse. I'm project manager with Apple Yards. Steve, we're standing in the middle of Bletchley Park. We're outside. We've gone through Block C and the huts. We're by the fountain, by the lake. How is this whole project going to change the whole face of Bletchley Park? The aim is that when, when the visitor arrives... You know, the cars are all you know, parked out, out of the way and the visitor experience starts as soon as they enter into Block C. As I said to Ken in Block C, can it all be done by uh, next year, June 2014? Yeah. Seems quite a, quite a stretch. <laughs> well, as, as project manager, uh, you know, it's, it's, my, <laughs> it's your job. <laughs> it's my plan. And, and, it, and in a way, the, Bletch, the, the Bletchley atmosphere does actually rub off on the project team, actually, you know, because those, those guys and girls, they were working to tremendous you know time time constraints and i've said to the project team if they could do it with the materials that they had then it's no excuse for us as as as, as a team to be able to del- deliver that Tony Fisher there reporting from Bletchley Park. Don't forget today's budget day. I'm giving you the chance to set your own budget. You're the uh, the governor, you're the chancellor. For one day, what would you include in the budget? Ups and downs, taxes, taking taxes off. What would you include to to kickstart the country or just to make your life a little bit better? There's always the fuss, isn't there, around beer and fags. beer's, Beer's gone up, fags have gone down. But I, I, there are slightly more important things than that, but if you think that's important, 08459 455 555. As Chancellor today, what would you include in your own personal budget to, to make your life a little bit better? You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR as well. Uh, but right now, let's get the latest travel news. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts, 
and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The M25 anti-clockwise is starting to build up now. It's looking slow from Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey through to 25 at Enfield approaching the roadworks. But looking at the speed sensors, things do seem to be moving okay through the roadworks section right now. Remember, we have got narrow lanes and a 50 mile an hour speed restriction from the A1M to the A10, Junction 23 to 25 in both directions. A little bit further around the M25, it's pretty slow from Junction 19 at Watford to 18 at Chorleywood on the anti-clockwise side as well. If anyone's going northbound up the M1, the hard shoulder's closed and there's a 50 mile an hour restriction from Junction 14 at Milton Keynes through to 15 at Northampton. And for anyone who's flying into Luton today, so if you're going to pick up some friends or family, delays are possible to passengers arriving in the UK through border control because of industrial action. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. On a slightly similar tangent, uh, a housing association in Manchester has said, listen, if you're struggling with this so-called bedroom tax, slightly lazy media title for it, but then get rid of your sky, get rid of your fags, get rid of your booze and your bingo. There's been uproar about this, but... I can't see why there's been uproar. Surely all of those things are a luxury, aren't they? 08459 455 555. Here's someone who could live with, couldn't live without any of those things. It's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 6.30. The headlines. The Chancellor will deliver his budget today, hoping to avoid the bruising criticism that met his efforts last year. Workers at the Inland Revenues offices in Luton are set to join thousands of civil service union members in a nationwide strike over pay, pensions and working conditions. And wind turbines almost as high as the London Eye could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're given the go-ahead at a planning meeting later today. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, Luton Town returned to winning ways in the conference last night, beating Stockport 1-0 at Kenilworth Road. Skipper Steve McNulty scored the only goal in the first half, leaving manager John still reasonably impressed. I'm really pleased with how we're we going defensively. Um, we're not making the most of our opportunities. I think we should have done better with our opportunities. I thought we were worthy of more goals. That's the only disappointment, though. MK Dons lost 2-1 at Crewe last night and had defender Anthony Kay sent off in the second half for two yellow cards. The defeat damages the side's slim chances of making the playoffs. And manager Carl Robinson criticised his players. I apologise for the fans who made the trip down today. Um, I have to hold my hands up and accept the, accept the responsibility of us being very, very poor. That was a shambles. I've just told them in there. Some of them might be playing for the football club this next season. Keep up performance and like that. that's not good enough, it's not acceptable. Also in League One, Stevenage lost 2-0 at Berry. Borough goalkeeper Steve Arnold saved from the penalty spot in the first half, but Stevenage couldn't avoid defeat. Boss Gary Smith couldn't hide his frustration. Continues our long run of Jekyll and Hyde performances. And I would suspect everybody that had seen the game on Saturday would agree that it bore no resemblance to what they'd seen at home against Sheffield United. And, you know, that has been the challenge for the coaching staff and the players to find some consistency. And yet again tonight, we've not found it. There was also a disappointment for Wickham Wanderers in League Two. The Chairboys lost 1-0 at Bradford. In Conference North, Bishop Stortford lost 2-0 at home to Harrogate. In the Southern Premier Division, Chesham beat Bashley 3-1. And Bedford lost 3-0 at Leamington, while Hemel Hempstead beat Bedworth 2-1. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Coming up in the next half an hour, wind turbines, which would be 125 metres high, could be built in part of Buckinghamshire if plans get the thumbs up today. A similar project was agreed three years ago in Milton Keynes. We'll have a look at what impact it's had on the local area there. And Matthew Loddy from Kings Langley is running 18 miles just to do an interview with me in Luton this morning. Oh dear goodness gracious me. Well, Justin Dealey's following him in a car as he makes his way through Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. We'll catch up with him in about ooh, 20 minutes' time to find out where he is. Now, it's budget day today. I'm giving you the position of Chancellor. What would you include in your budget? Peter and Warmer Green. Peter, what would you include in your budget today? I'd cap rents for a start. You'd cap rents? Yes. Why? Because in the last year... Yes. Finishing April the 1st, starting April the 1st, really. Yes. uh, My rents have gone up, my social rents have gone up by... will, Will have gone up by... Just by six hundred pound a year. Ooh. Now that four hundred pound of that, roughly, is going to be less money I'm going to spend in retail shops. That's for sure. Yeah. Because I've got no other way of saving. Now, when when we talk about the the other part, you just mentioned a short while ago that that, that interested me as well. The other part, beer fags and and boots. oh yeah, there's a there's a, a housing association is up north, but I, I kind of agree with them saying, listen, if you're struggling with this this bedroom tax, yeah. you you're lost in benefits because you've got an extra spare room, yeah, then you should get rid of Sky, fags, beer, and bingo. I, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Listen, these they're not all uh, beers, fags, and bingo. Lots of the people are same as you, exactly the same as you, but they're on hard times, if you like. Oh, of course, but you can... And their children... So, hold on a minute. And their children go out to fight for this country. Large majority of people who fight for this country go from the poorer families. Don't hesitate in believing that, because that's true. Okay, but 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 what's that got to do with... If you've got Sky TV, and you smoke fags, and you play bingo, and you're struggling because you're losing some of your benefits because of this, in inverted commas, bedroom tax, then you should yeah. get rid of the Sky, Sky and the fags Sky and the bingo. T- Sky TV, I agree. Luxury. Fags, uh, luxury? luxury. No, listen... Fa- are fags a luxury? They're addictive. Yeah, but are they a luxury? No, not really. Is bingo a luxury? Well, uh, you people don't go bingo these days. Of course, much. they go. Peter, listen, uh, don't do that because we're going to get loads of loads of bingo well, fanatics phoning up and complaining now. You don't get that many. If you're looking there, if you're talking about the, the country, you don't get that many going to bingo. Very if you, few. Can I just say, if you disagree with Peter, if you're a huge bingo fan, oh eight four five nine. Uh, you, you hold on a minute. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Yes, Peter. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the footfall in the shops. My rent increase... Was I talking about that? Well, that's part of what's happening. Yes. If you don't include that, you're going to get so many retailers, the footfall in the shops will be greatly reduced. Okay, Peter, listen, thank you very much there. Peter, uh, for his... If he were Chancellor, he would cap the rents on uh, social housing... Um, and going off on that, so they're kind of connected slightly. There's there's a thin thread connecting those. This uh, housing association that said, listen, if you're struggling with the, 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 the cutting benefits, the, the, the bedroom tax, and if you've got Sky and you smoke and you go to bingo and you drink, well, stop doing those. Those are luxuries. Do you agree? And is Peter right? No one plays bingo anymore. 08459 455 555. I bet we have thousands of bingo players listening to this show right now. Come on and defend yourself, please.
turbines, wind turbines, wind turbines. Almost the height of the London Eye could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're approved at a planning meeting today. Aylesbury Vale District Council will decide whether to give permission for four turbines and associated buildings to be put up in Stoke Hammond. A similar project led to seven turbines being put up at Emberton near Milton Keynes in 2010, despite opposition to the proposals. Well, our reporter Ewan Duncan visited the area to see if there's still the same strength of feeling among local residents nearly three years later. When I first saw them, it was driving up to look at the house and I thought they were rather graceful. (laughs) So it didn't bother us at all. Our old landmark used to be Digcott Power Station, so it's a huge improvement on that. I can understand people not wanting them close to them, but these are a long way from us. Though you can still hear them on a windy day when the wind is in our direction. Our television has been virtually destroyed. Everything goes through a small box, but we don't get half the programmes we used to get. Our other thing is the promises were not kept by the wind farm developers. And have you been able to do anything about the television aerial situation? We've had an aerial company out four times, but we have not had complete success. I'm not really happy with them. They are a blot on the landscape. You can see them for miles. Plus, we're not benefiting from them in any way at all. My electricity certainly hasn't gone down, so I I don't see the point of them. Although the actual view from some of the houses here, it's shielded in a way, isn't it? Some of them it is as well, but I think once you get some up, then you want more. For instance, there's going to be one at the back, which we will be able to see out of our windows. Um, We don't know when that's going through or not. There were grants available, but it didn't include solar panelling. So you think, what else could you use it for? You know, there was meant to be sort of money available for local residents to maybe do something, some sort of thing to, you know, reduce their bills. But it, it definitely did not include solar panels on your roof, which is what most people really would have gone for. So a mixed reception to the wind turbines at Emberton. We can talk now to one of the people who was against the plans, Conservative Milton Keynes councillor Peter Geary. Morning, Peter. Morning. How much of a protest was there against the wind turbines being put up at Emberton? Well, there was there was a massive local protest. I mean, it involved hundreds of local people who were very um very upset about what was being planned. What's it like now they're in place? Do, do, do they cause problems? Um, well, I mean, you heard some people saying, you know, they do hear them. It does cause noise issues to certain people. Visibly, they are worse than was expected at the time of planning. Um, the photo montages that have been put together um, were not a very good rep- representation of what they were going to be like, and it is significantly worse. Try and describe to our listener, are there many properties near to the wind turbines? I mean, they've picked the spot in Milton Keynes, the one spot in Milton Keynes that was the furthest from anywhere. So it's the biggest area of unspoilt landscape that there was. Um, There are a number of houses within um, 100 metres of them, but you're talking about a handful of houses. But there are towns such as Oni, who are a couple of kilometres away from the site, who can see them and they're very, very visible. Is there not an argument, Peter, that these are quite majestic, graceful machines? And we've we've had wind turbines in the forms of uh, windmills for, for centuries, haven't we? You've had windmills for centuries, and windmills were about 50 or 60 foot high, um, certainly a lot, lot shorter than these. And the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Some people say they're majestic, they're fine. Um, you heard the lady speaking before who said, you know, better than Digcott Power Station, and that's fine as well. And that's what some people think. To other people, the countryside, and certainly to planning um, permissions and things, the countryside is something that needs to be protected. It's something that's the best asset often that rural areas have. And 
to start industrialising what is a rural landscape is something that needs to be done for the very, very best of reasons and not something that needs to be pushed through no matter what happens um, just because of um, someone demands that, that this needs to be done or developers know they can develop there. It's one of the problems with wind turbines. There's no, there's no thinking about this is where they should be, this is where they shouldn't be, like all other planning. It's we can build them here, so let's build them here. And after Petso came in Milton Keynes, we've now got three other applications coming in Milton Keynes. And every single area of rural landscape is being having or ha- certainly wanting to have wind turbines put there, no matter what. What's your advice, uh, Peter, to uh, Aylesbury Vale District Council ahead of today's meeting? I think they need to think very seriously about um, about what they're doing uh, because it's something that's going to be seen for an awful long way around. I know they've considered it very seriously. I don't know what the recommendation they've got for their meeting is, but um, but um, but the policy is certainly allowing a number of areas for it to be refused, and they need to very much consider whether that's what they want to do because I think there's um, there's an awful lot of reasons why um, these applications could be refused if if councils are um, are gutsy enough to go ahead and do it. Peter, are you a bingo player? Not generally, no. No, we're trying to... We're, sorry, I'm sorry to go off on a slight tangent. We just had a gentleman calling in saying that no-one plays bingo anymore, and I, I don't believe that. And I just kind of picked up a vibe that maybe maybe you enjoyed a bit of bingo, but I got that wrong. I apologise. <laughs> no, I don't play bingo. Peter, thank you very much indeed. That's con- uh, Conservative Milton Keynes Councillor Peter Geary uh, talking about wind turbines. The reason I asked about the bingo is this housing association that said, listen, if you're struggling with this, uh, in inverted commas, bedroom tax, then get rid of the luxuries, get rid of the Sky TV, get rid of the fags, the booze and the bingo. Well, it kind of makes sense to me. Although one caller has has challenged that, saying, well, no one plays bingo anymore. I don't believe that for a second. 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And so far this morning, things are moving fine on the roads across the three counties. A little bit heavy already on the M25, anti-clockwise from Junction 19 at Watford through to 18 at Chorleywood, but not too busy yet. Works continue in Beaconsfield on the A40. Going eastbound, there are some temporary traffic lights up for works between the A355 and Potkiln Lane. While in St Albans, Folly Lane has water main work at the junction with Westview Road. And in Bedford, works continue on the A6 St John Street. They're near to the junction with Rope Walk. On the trains, it's looking absolutely fine. No problems or delays on the departure boards. Adam Glenn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. 6.46, it's Wednesday the 20th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor will deliver his budget today, hoping to avoid the bruising criticism that met his efforts last year. Workers at the Inland Revenues offices in Luton are set to join thousands of civil service union members in a nationwide strike over pay, pensions and working conditions later. In sport, England cricketer James Anderson says he'll be fit to take part in the final test against New Zealand in Auckland tomorrow. Coming up, Matthew Loddy from Kings Langley is so desperate to be on this show, he's running 18 miles just to get to the studio. Well, Justin Dealey's following him as he makes his way through Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. We'll catch up with him before seven to see how far he's got, but let's get the weather now with Lara Lewington. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. Well, still some fog and frost to clear for many of us, but the day-to-day, well, it's not looking too jolly, I'm afraid. A lot of cloud cover around and still quite a few showers to get through. By this afternoon, we will start to see some bursts of sunshine, though. Temperatures not topping about five degrees, so way below the average for this time of year. And come tonight, well, clear skies for most of us, but that is leaving way for a widespread ground frost and those temperatures dropping to just minus three in places. So a very chilly start to the day tomorrow. Bright skies, however, although by later on in the day, we are going to be seeing the cloud increasing and some strong easterly winds heading our way. Laura, thank you very much indeed. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Are there anybody, is there anybody listening to this who plays bingo? It can't be completely dead in the Three Counties, can it? I love a bit of bingo, me. Ooh, eyes down for a full house. I don't care who does her hair or what clothes she wears. I don't care if it's YSL. I don't care if it's Chanel. What matters to me is a strong belief.
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Matthew, uh, marathon runner Matthew Loddy is running from his home in Kings Langley all the way to our studios in Luton. 18 miles. Is he bonkers? Well, we gave him two and a half hours to complete the challenge. He's set off just after quarter past six. He's doing it to raise the profile of a charity challenge, running 30 marathons in 30 days to raise money for the Teenage Cancer Trust, which is a cracking charity. I once got to introduce a band on stage at the Royal Albert Hall for the Teenage Cancer Trust. That band's name? Yeah, it was The Who. That's right, Dealey, I introduced <laughs> The Who live on stage. Oh, I am so jealous, I, you lucky man. I also introduced BDI on stage that night, but we don't talk yeah, about yeah. that so much. Uh, let's forget about that one very, very quickly. But, uh, yeah, Matt Loddy, an incredible man. Last year, in 100 marathons in 100 days. This time, not quite as much. He's doing 30. He's slowing down in his old age. 30 <laughs> marathons in 30 days. But in saying that, who, who else do you know who can say that they are doing 30 marathons in 30 days? Listen, every radio station I've worked at for the last 15 years, some bright spark has said, Hey, Ian, you should run the London Ooh. Marathon for the yeah, station. Every yeah, time I've should. told them to get knotted. <laughs> Never, ever going to do it. That's a shame. I can't put you down. Well, uh, the morning, Matt Loddy is running from his home in Kings Langley all the way to our studios in Luton to meet you for hopefully 10 to 9. It's around 18 miles. We're currently in Apsley and we, we just pulled the radio car over for a second and uh, a moment ago, Matt, he run past us and this is what happened. Well, Matt, we're now in Apsley. Got about four kilometres. How do you feel? Yeah, fine. Not too bad. Yeah. Stiffness went after a couple, so bedding in quite nicely. And you spoke to us earlier on saying two and a half hours. Are you still confident it's going to take two and a half hours to get from Kings Langley to Luton? Yeah, I'm not going to be far off. Right, I'll let you Crack on, thank okay, you. Thanks. Incredible though, Ian. I tell you what, he looks so fit. He looks so so fit. And uh, we've got the radio car with us. Also, we have Matt's wife with us as well. That's Karen, who is following us in the wagon. She now joins us live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah. Yes, Ian, you about to say something? No, I just Catherine Boyle has sent me a message saying, "Why is Justin out of breath?" <laughs> Bearing in mind, you're driving. I, I'm out of breath just simply watching. It's um, <laughs> incredible to watch this. Karen, welcome to the programme. Thanks for joining us. Um, your husband, how has he changed in the last year? 100 marathons last year and now 30 marathons. Slightly more crazy, but just the same. Just the same old Matthew, yeah. And just how proud are you of Matthew? Incredibly proud. Incredibly proud of him. Yeah, absolutely. He's been absolutely amazing. Um, it, obviously inspired by Phil. Um, that was the start of it. And uh, yeah, just great. Brilliant. And for those who know nothing about the cause, tell us more about Phil as well. Yeah, um, Phil was a very close friend and a work colleague of ours um, that died of stomach cancer. Um, and Matthew and Phil spoke uh, about doing this challenge, actually walking um, from Portugal to England. Um, and then obviously when we found out that Phil was te- going to be terminally ill, um, Matthew said, well, you've, you know, you've put me in it now. I'm going to have to do it and I'm going to have to run the challenge. So that was the start of it all. Yeah. And by the end of this, it'll be, what, 130 marathons in less than a year. And for those of Again, who know nothing about this cause and nothing about your husband he had never done a single marathon before so it makes it even more amazing absolutely yeah he'd never he'd always been very fit but had never done a marathon and he will say he's not a runner but i think he is now <laughs> and, and do you think we're mad for, for asking your husband to run from kings langley to luton to go and meet ian lee of all people no and i think ian should get himself out there and do the london marathon there you go oh, don't you told. don't no don't i liked her until then no no i'll write a check uh, i'm not gonna do it i'm gonna write a check instead um just 
Chris Larcy, tell us more about this wagon because uh, people, of course, can can follow us this morning. They'll see our car, the radio car, and this. Tell us more about the wagon here. Yeah, the wagon is obviously good. That following Matthew, his support wagon, um, and you can donate three pounds. Text run thirty to seven zero three hundred. And he starts on Saturday in Edinburgh, and all the money going to the Teenage Cancer Trust. So you're hoping to get what about a hundred thousand pounds again? Yeah, a hundred thousand would be amazing. And you think you might do it because people, I'm sure, will know about what your husband did last year and again thinking well he's doing it again another 30 yeah. it's time if they can to, to put their hands in their pockets yeah absolutely I think last year people thought oh there's no way someone's going to run 100 marathons in 100 days but of course he mm. did it so now people know so now hopefully everyone will donate how's his knees by the way <laughs> not great <laughs> lots of ice and a lot of tender care and loving I think yeah, bless so. you. thank you so much for your time you're welcome okay so look out for us in uh, the route we left Kings Langley this morning about 6.25 actually yep. um, so hopefully we're going to be with you for about 10 to 9. If he's not here at 10 to 9, he can't come in. That's the, well, no, do you know what I mean? He'll this be is, there, don't worry. It's you, a tiny window he's got. You, you won't mess him. He's in fluorescent outfits this morning, a fluorescent jacket, um, and the route itself. We're now in Apsley. Um, Matt's gone ahead slightly now, so we're going to be going up to the, the old town at Hemel Hempstead. Then we're going to be going down the Redbourne Road, through Harpenden, and then down into Luton to meet you, hopefully, for about 10 to 9. Justin, 18 miles. before you crack on, Ooh. treat yourself to a nice cigarette. You deserve it. <laughs> Speak to you later, Justin. Dear. We'll have a welcome committee outside w- uh, waiting for Matt as well as he does the run. Uh, for earlier on, we were talking about bingo. It's a luxury. Uh, Peter called in and said, no one plays bingo anymore. Toby from Biggleswade, you disagree, don't you? Good morning, Ian. Uh, I do disagree. And um, what's more, I think what you'd be surprised at is the average age of a bingo player. God, well, it's, it's 89, surely. No, it's not. It's 28. Is it? Yes, it is. I used to. Oh, be I've got it. House. Player. Oh, sorry. No, you're just saying the the age. Yes, I apologise. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, yeah, twenty eight is the average age. I used to be a bingo caller um, in my university days oh. at Bedf- uh, in Bedford, um, and you kind of get the bug a little bit. And I I still play occasionally today. I'm, I'm going in a couple of weekends' time to the local one in Biggleswade. I used to go with my nan. I love a bit of bingo. I would. Hey, listen. Any bingo houses in Beds, Hearts, and Bucks? I, I, I'll come and do do some calling. I'd love a bit of bingo calling. No, uh, it's great fun, and, and the best bit is, is that you can get a round of drinks for under a tenner. No, and you, so you were a student. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But to, and, um, to, Toby, would you agree that bingo is a luxury, and if you're struggling to make ends meet, make ends meet, cut it out of your lifestyle? Yes, exactly. And there are a lot, a lot of people that do live frugally, um, and that's great. But I do, I have witnessed people um, when I used to play and work at the bingo hall cash regular fifty pound checks every oh, day yeah. for seven days yeah. a week in order to get their fix. So that, I think it's the chase. They want to try and make the quick buck, and it, it never works. Toby, thank you. There we go. People play bingo. We've proved it. Tony from Biggleswade used to be a bingo caller. He's a young man. Listen, any bingo houses in Luton, I'll come and do you a night of bingo. I'd love to. Here's the travel. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And thankfully things are moving pretty well across most of the three counties this morning. It's quite slow on the M25, though. Usual spots from Junction 21 at the M1 round to 8 at Chorleywood. Then after a little bit of a reprieve, looking at the cameras from Junction 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4, it's all very slow moving again, mainly either side of the M40 junction. The A1M, it's crawling a little bit on the southbound side from Junction 3 at St Albans through to Junction 2 at Wellham Green. Roadworks don't seem to be causing too much disruption so far this morning. Remember, though, in Milton Keynes Village that Tongwell Street is closed for resurfacing work near to the junction with Lindisfarne Drive. If you're commuting by rail, looking at the departure boards right now, your prospects are looking pretty good because pretty much everything running to time. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. So, you're the Chancellor. 
What things would you include in your budget to make your life better? And Sky, Booze, Fags and Bingo. They're a luxury. You don't need those, do you? Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines Britain based braced for the budget, civil servants on strike and makeover at Bletchley Park. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor George Osborne delivers his budget this afternoon. He'll set out plans for spending around two and a half billion pounds, which comes from a new savings ordered by most from most government departments. He'll also reveal gloomy economic forecasts as our economics editor Stephanie Flanders explains. Whitehall departments have stuck to the Chancellor's budget plan since he came to the Treasury. It's the economy that's wildly departed from the script. Britain's national output has risen by just over 1% since the election, instead of the 7% he was hoping for in his first budget. Today, George Osborne is likely to announce that the official growth forecast for 2013 has fallen again from the 1.2% pencilled in in the autumn statement. As a result of all this, nearly every expert's predicting that the Chancellor will have to borrow more in this tax year on a like-for-like basis, than he did in 2011-12, when the budget deficit was £121 Mr Osborne avoided that particular embarrassment in December. Some think he'll somehow avoid it today. Either way, the budget book will show him borrowing at least £65 billion more in the last year of this Parliament than he was planning back in 2010. His critics think slow growth and higher-than-expected borrowing a reason for a change of course. Mr Osborne's convinced that this bad news has left him with even less room for manoeuvre than he had in 2010. Meanwhile, workers across the three counties are set to join thousands of civil service union members in a nationwide strike over pay, pensions and working conditions. Government departments, driving test centres, museums and job centres are among the workplaces expected to be hit. Border agency staff at London Luton Airport could also take action. A hundred leading academics have warned that a new national curriculum planned for schools in England will demand too much of young pupils by forcing them to learn by rote at the start of primary school. In a letter to the Daily Telegraph and the Independent, the academics claim children's education will be damaged by an overemphasis on memorising endless lists of spellings, facts and rules. A £4,000 reward is being offered for information about the death of a motorcyclist in High Wycombe last October. 52-year-old Jeremy Edwards from Loudwater died after his blue Honda hit a large piece of concrete that had been deliberately moved into the carriageway. Wind turbines almost as high as the London Eye could be built in Buckinghamshire if they get the go-ahead from planners later. Aylesbury Vale District Council will be considering an application to build four turbines in Stoke Hammond. And Bletch Bletchley Park's about to get a substantial makeover with a new visitor centre and restoration of some of the famous Codebreakers huts. Bletchley Park's uh, chief executive, Ian Standen, told us how the visitor centre will look. Perhaps one room like this might well be um, dressed with desks and what have you to look like it was during the war. Another room, perhaps across Corroy here, might just have audio-visual telling the story. Um, so give people a sort of feel as they walk through to get an idea of the atmosphere in here. Milton Keynes-Dons lost 2-1 at Crewe last night and had defender Anthony Kaye sent off in the second half for two yellow cards. And the weather, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Catherine. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past seven. 
and it's Wednesday the 20th of March. How are you this morning? Lots to uh, cram in in the next hour, including it's Budget Day. Happy Budget Day, everybody. Did you send your cards out? The Chancellor will lay out his economic plans for the next year. I'll be finding out exactly what it could mean for small businesses. Also, a housing association is being criticised because they're questioning whether tenants could afford Sky TV, fags, booze and bingo. Is there anything wrong with that? All of those things, they're luxuries, aren't they? And Matthew Loddy from Kings Langley is running 18 miles from his home to our studio in Luton this morning just to do an interview. We need to get a welcoming committee. Work experience, Ollie, I think that's going to be you. Justin Dealey is following his progress. We'll catch up with him in about half an hour. Lots of ways you can get in touch. You can go to the Facebook page and tell us what you would do as Chancellor. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, later today, the Chancellor George Osborne will deliver his fourth budget. He's doing it against the backdrop of one of the worst economic climates in a century. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has been assessing some of the possible announcements. Paul, what's the background to this? Well, Ian, uh, I think the feeling amongst commentators is that it can't be worse than last time. Of course, you'll remember that the uh, the, the so-called pasty tax, caravan tax, the, the charity tax, they they all combined to uh, to sort of give the budget the, the omni-shambles title that it got in the press. And and, uh, and of course, just beforehand as well, there were a lot of public debates between the coalition uh, about what was going to be in the budget, which meant that a, most of it, I think, wasn't a surprise to any of us really by that stage. However, it doesn't seem like it's going to be so much that this time. Uh, it, not so much more of a mystery. We did get a hint last night about some of the things that could be in today. However, there is pr- uh, pressure on George Osborne to to deliver a budget that restores not just confidence in the economy, economy but also in his own party. Um, there was a feeling yesterday that this was going to be a bit of a dull budget. There wasn't going to be too many things. A dull budget? Yes. Well, he's not got very much money to play with. Right. So there won't be so many of the big, ta-da, surprises that the the, the Chancellor likes to give on a a budget day and hide inside his red box. But we will wait to see. I think there may be one or two areas where he's managed to claw some money back from other places where he can perhaps make those announcements. What are the economists uh, thinking he's going to say then? What, what, What clues have we had? Well, we'll certainly get a forecast on the deficit. That's from the Office of Budgetary Responsibility, and that's the amount that the government borrows each year to cover the amount it spends and the amount it gets back in taxes. We'll find out if we're triple dipping, I think, officially. Uh, we'll, um, we might see whether or not the downward trend that's become quite familiar has been reversed. Um, we are, however, I think, going to see unexpected, and I'm sure your, your next guest will explain that in a bit more detail, uh, a, a slowdown in growth as well, which will almost certainly lead to to higher taxes and and further cuts in in the future uh, give you a bit of a, a, a sort of perhaps an indication on where we might get some uh, some some announcements in the care we're, go- we're going to hear a bit more about the pension he announced on sunday on the bbc that that's uh, that a flat rate pension will come in at 144 pounds a week that'll come in a year earlier than expected um he's announced a cap on the amount of uh, of money the elderly pay for care in terms of tax we'll see the introduction or the dropping if you like of the 50p tax uh, that will go down to 45 pence. We understand. We, we understand there'll also be a, an announcement to get 
closer to that magical figure of ten thousand pounds that that minimum amount that people start to mm. uh, to earn tax at uh, and also corporation tax may drop as well to 20 pence um, we'll also probably with the news you'll have remembered the 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 the, the stories about Google about Amazon not paying the amount these of tax. huge companies not paying what people perceive to be the appropriate amount of tax yes we may see something on that we may see something on tax avoidance um, however uh, economists are saying that because the personal allowance is rising that in some ways this does equate to a tax cut although I'm sure lots of people would argue that we'll probably Ian, see a lot of spending cuts uh, at least hinted at we probably won't see the details so much today but there's been talk again of another two percent off uh, government departments some are safe schools health I believe HMRC as well to an extent are, are, are safe um, from further cuts at least what about the ones that everyone really cares about the most important issues booze fags and petrol <laughs> those those are the things that everyone, whatever else happens that everyone seems to, to to cling on to well there's been a feeling that the government did a bit of a u-turn on its plans to introduce minimum pricing mm. on alcohol so we'll probably see a rise in some booze um just there is a sort of an automatic two percent uh that beer duty escalator that's been talked about that yes. could be one of his little surprises he okay. may scrap that yep. but there may be a rise in spirits as well i don't know about uh, about cigarettes that will almost certainly always they always tend to put 5p yep. on fags um the the other thing would be that the the fuel duty he may see if he can find his, his way to 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 get rid of that uh, rise that's due in the autumn as well so that might be another little okay. surprise paul thank you for that we'll speak to you again in a second we can talk now to charles little who's a director from the bedford firm keen shakings which specializes in accountancy for small businesses uh, charles thanks for coming in what do you want to see the chancellor doing for small businesses I, I think, uh, morning Ian, I, I think that the, one of the biggest burdens is business rates. Uh, and in, in certain small businesses, it's a killer. Um, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, in Luton, uh, for new businesses, it's uh, more attractive to startups than in Bedford. Uh, and but it, if you are, why why is that? That's the, the I think the, it's just a, a, a borough decision. Right. Uh, we have a client in in Wellington Street there that's enjoying um, a reduced level of rates. They wouldn't do so in Bedford. Right. So well, well done, Luton, in that respect. But it's it is a you know, if, you, if you talk to the, the businesses, the small businesses, you know the the very small ones, see where you're paying rates of eight nine thousand pounds. It is a major major. Oh, that's, that's a huge percentage, yeah. Isn't it, yeah. And, and, and the, the other thing, of course, is that the that the um, uh, le- the rate of tax for self-employed people, uh, whereas you're paying twenty percent, um, the self-employed people are paying twenty nine percent, and that extra nine percent has got no value in terms of benefits or whatever. And that the, the class four nine percent really is another killer for small businesses. Well, is he going to do anything with VAT? VAT seems to be a sticking point. No, as well. I don't. I don't. I don't see a move from twenty percent at all on that. Would, would it help if he did? Uh, if he if he loses if, if he if he went back to seventeen and a half percent, where's it, where, where where will that come? Well, that was income. Mm. You know, it's it's a huge thing. I, th- I think one of the things that I, I feel strongly about uh, is the fact that um, the government introduced this. Uh, prompt payment code for small businesses uh, such that the larger businesses would be would be, would, be, would try and you know regu- uh, to, to speed up payments of small businesses now you know in la- in in September various companies reversed that such that uh, for instance Sainsbury's uh, monsoon accessories 
made it worse for small businesses. Right. And, and the view is there's something like 30 billion. So they made it worse by, they, they, they but, delayed but, when they... Savers went, I think, from 30 to 60 days. And, and those, those 30 days are important for small businesses because they need that cash turnover to keep them going. Well, there's a view, Ian, that something like £30 billion is tied up in late payment to small businesses. Wow. £30 billion. Some are saying £36 billion. That's a huge figure. Mm. You might think that was released, and this, this uh, prompt payment code has got no teeth at all, uh, and, and it's, it's just, well, it's, it's been a joke, really. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some of I mean, we had a, 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 a friend of mine who's FD in London, were a major company. Within a week of being appointed, his chairman said, right, I want those that owe us money reduced by 30 days, and I want 30 days extra for creditors. Do it. Mm. You know, and, and if you're a small company, um, bills of £10,000, you're talking of three to four months we get paid. Mm. So the, the, the key things for you would be lowering corp- the, 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 the um, business rates. Business rates, thank you. And uh, also enforcing that 30-day quick payment. Well, it isn't 30 days. It's, you're you're well, talking three to four months. Right. Huge, huge, huge figures. And I, I, I say £30 billion. And, you, and the FT talks about the big P, big P, BLCs being flush of cash. Well, it's because they haven't paid the small businesses. Mm. Charles, thank you for that. Paul, there are also lots of protests going on today. It's, mm. it, w- what's happening? Well, civil services in the government departments, including driving de- test centres, museums, galleries, and also some of the uh, the airports and, and border patrol workers as well, uh, not to mention job centres, tax offices, those things, they're, they're all kind of uh, members of the PCS union, and 250,000 members will be uh, walking out of, of their jobs today, um, including in Luton. There's going to be some protests in George Street in the town centre, so expect disruption there as well there's a picket at george street um what they're saying is it's it's coinciding with the budget and uh, they're concerned about cuts uh, to their um pay and conditions as well and so they're going to hold this rally today they'll be holding a rally in in westminster as well whilst the budget is being delivered um in the hope that uh, politicians there will take note is is anyone going to look at them surely all eyes will be on the budget they they, 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 they do tend i mean lots of lots of unions do pick these big uh, announcements to do their strike because they are, you know, the, the cameras are trained on Westminster, so they will they will be they will be looked at. Um, but you know, these will be impacting on people just going about their daily lives today. So just be aware of that if okay, you are going you to the that. tax uh, office, for example. Julia's texted in. Uh, well, well, I'm giving you the chance, dear listeners, to be the chancellor for the day. What, what would you include in the budget to make your life better? Julia says I would reduce wages for public servants, including teachers. They should understand what it's like to work in an industry and not get a pay rise for five, five years. They have no idea about the real world controversial mm. i can feel teachers with the storming out of their classrooms to phone in anger 08459 455 555 if you want to have your say you are the chancellor for the day what would you do uh, charles little thank you very much uh, indeed paul scoins as always thank you very much 08459 455 right it's coming up to 7:15 let's get the latest travel now with adam glynn Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And so far this morning, it's slowest on the M25. Surprise, surprise. Anti-clockwise, we've got heavy traffic from the M11 through to the A10, junction 27 to 25. That's approaching the roadworks, which run both directions from junction 25 to 23. 
That's the A1M turning. Roadwork stretch is looking all right this morning, but remember you have got narrow lanes and a 50 mile an hour speed restriction through there. Then anti-clockwise from the M1 to Junction 18 at Chorley Woods, looking rather busy on the cameras, and it slows again from Junction 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4, looking particularly busy past the M40 junction. But the M40 cameras are showing that it's moving okay once you join the M40. A1M southbound that slope from Junction 3 at St Albans through to 2 at Wellham Green, round Hoddesdon, the Stansted Road. There's gas main work at Lilliard Close. And the A5 in Fenny Stratford still roadworks at the Little Chef roundabout there, adding traffic lights to all of the approaches to that roundabout, so it can get quite busy at times. On the train departure boards, looking at those, it's still a good service right across the three counties this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Morning, it's nearly 7.16. It's Wednesday the 20th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor delivers his budget this afternoon, setting out plans for spending around £2.5 billion from new savings ordered from most government departments. Workers across the three counties are set to join thousands of civil service union members in a nationwide strike over pay, pensions and working conditions. In sport, Luton Town beat Stockport 1-0 in the conference last night. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees. Now, a housing association is being criticised because they're questioning whether tenants can afford Sky TV, fags, booze and bingo. But is there anything wrong with that? All of those things are a luxury, aren't they? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Did you know you can get in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio wherever you are via Twitter at BBC 3CR. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash BBC 3CR. Call us on 08459 455 555 or text us on 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Getting beds, hearts and bucks talking. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we, we were, it was put to us earlier on in the show from Peter in Warmer Green that nobody, nobody plays bingo. Well, Kevin from Luton, do you disagree? Yeah, well, the grandkids love it. We play it most weekends. Um, they have a great time doing it. We've got an, an iPad and we've got a nap on it. And uh, sometimes my granddad, he does the calling and we just have a, a ball of fun, really. Oh, so hang on. You're, you're taking bingo into the 21st century. You're sitting around at home with your iPads on your laps and you've got your, gra- your granddad um, calling out the numbers and everyone's tapping away furiously, are they? Um, well, we've all got the cards. So right. the, on, the, on the iPad, it, it does all the numbers. It does all the numbers. Oh, see, that, that but he's, he's old school and he shouts out two little wafts and uh, 603 Squadron and all this kind of he stuff. He shouts out two little what? Two, if you get 88, he shows up two little, two fat wafts. <laughs> What's a waff? A waff is a, a woman that was in the World War Two. These uh, are. Oh, okay. Because I it was too. I, it, I always heard it as two fat ladies. 88. No, no. Yeah, it is. But uh, he he does it his own little way, and he says two fat wafts. I see. Now that 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 sounds like a. But you don't actually go to a bingo hall and play it. No, the, the girls are too young. Okay. Uh, they're, you know, they're three, five, six. Hey, do you know what I'm thinking? My boy's three. He might like a bit of that. It'd be good for him to help learn his numbers as well. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> listen, thank you for that. Well, we've we found bingo players. Do we find... Can we find any more that actually go to the bingo halls? Oh, we've mentioned bingo on this show before, I know, and it, 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 it was a struggle to get callers on it. But the reason we're talking about this is because a housing, a housing association has told their tenants that if you're struggling with the, in inverted commas, bedroom tax or the reduction in your benefits because you've got a spare room, 
then you should get rid of the luxuries. And the luxuries they listed include Sky TV, cigarettes, alcohol and bingo. Well, there was uproar. The residents were furious. I don't see a problem with that, though. Those things are luxuries, aren't they? Well, let's talk now to Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers Alliance. Morning, Robert. Good morning. What what do you make of this? It, it, It sounds like perfect sense to me. Well, I think it's the choices and decisions that many people are facing of, you know, uh, at a time when bills are rising, do they cut back on, you know, life's little luxuries? And so I think, you know, the Housing Association here posted a serious question. Um, and I don't think that we should be overly prescriptive of what people spend benefits on. But we must not forget that welfare is not an alternative to work and that if you do want to afford you know, things like Sky TV, right, you know, the only route to do that is work. You can't uh, remain on welfare in the long term. And so it's the government's job to ensure that there are those opportunities out there to get off welfare so that you can afford those op- those kind of little luxuries. But I think the reaction against the Housing Association has been overblown, has misrepresented their position, given they were asking what many people think is quite a reasonable question. Yeah, I, I, was, I read this story. It's in quite a few of the papers this morning. And I was left scratching my head as to why... How anybody could object? Listen, last year I had quite a quiet year work-wise. I didn't work for six months, and although everything was fine, and I'm, I'm very lucky, I've got some savings. I, I was going through my list of things we could cut back on. Sky was was way up on the list. Uh, without wanting to insult Sky, exactly the same here. It was one of those things that we cut back on because you know, things were becoming more expensive. So those are the choices that people are making. And many people who are you know, looking for work are making those same decisions. And I think it would be wrong to think that everyone who is claiming welfare and somehow you know, watching Sky TV all day going down the bingo hall and smoking well, packs. No, and I don't, so I, 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 that's I, not what we're claiming, and I don't think that's what no, the I Housing Association what, accounts cl- but, claiming but either. That, that, that is effectively what people were saying the right. Housing Association was implying, which I don't believe isn't true. But there are serious questions that when, you know, many families are struggling, many families are trying, are struggling to even pay, you know, pay the energy bills, mm. that, you know, you do have to look at how you balance those budgets. And the fact is, is that for the last decade, welfare uh, rose far higher than uh, you know, average wages in the private sector. Sector. So the point is, is that there has been an adjustment to ensure that welfare is not, a be- is not an alternative to work. And part of that will mean that you have to question what you can afford, because ultimately, welfare should be there as a safety net. It should be helping those people who have fallen on, t- on tough times. Uh, it is not something which is a long-term solution uh, to people's situations. And so if it's not a long-term situation, uh, a long-term solution, then you, you know, it shouldn't be a long-term solution to paying a sky bill either. Peter in uh, Walmer Green called in earlier and said that smoking it couldn't be seen as a luxury because it's an addiction. What, what do you make of that? Um... Many people uh, enjoy a cigarette. I think it's one of those things that when people look at household expenditure, when budgets are tight, it's one of those things that they cut back on. And there's certainly you know, a lot of help out there to cut back on what people, you know, if people do want to quit smoking. I think the point is, is that we shouldn't get overly prescriptive about saying you can and can't spend your benefits on X, Y and Z. But at the same time, you must accept that if you are in receipt of welfare, if you're in receipt of uh, taxpayers' money, especially if you're, you know, if it's because you're out of work and looking for a job, you know, there are going to be limits on what you can afford. And that the best way to ensure that you can afford you know, the luxuries that you want 
is to be in work. Um, and I think, vitally, what's important is that at the same half of that deal is that the government is creating the opportunities and the economic conditions, which mean that you can get out of work and that can, you can get out of welfare and that when you do go into work, that it actually pays a decent wage. And that means you're reducing the taxes and burdens on the lowest, you know, the lowest earners, which is something I hope that George Osborne might think about today. Robert, you're, you are the Chancellor today. You, are, you, you can do one thing. You can change one thing to make your life better. What would you do? I'm going to cut the basic rate of income tax so that, you know, and increase the personal allowance. So I've got two things in one there. But it takes more of the lowest paid out of tax, which means they keep more money in their pocket. So we do get closer to this idea of a living wage. Because at the moment, you know, we, we take almost a thousand and a half, well, you know, £1,250 off those earning the minimum wage and also cutting the basic rate of tax to give all families a break at a time when they are struggling with a rising cost of living. Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers, the Taxpayers Alliance. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, I, 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 I don't for a second please think that I'm suggesting that everybody who um, is in receipt of benefits is watching Sky and um, smoking and drinking. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that when budgets are tight... You do cut the luxuries. You have to, don't you? Those things I've just listed, they, they are luxuries, I think. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Is my whole political standpoint changing? I'm agreeing with the Taxpayers Alliance. What on earth has gone wrong with me? 08459 455 555. What do you think? Are those things luxury? If, if you're struggling, then should you maybe knock them on the head? Seems obvious to me. Diane from Bletchley on the subject of bingo says, uh, I live in a retirement area. The old folk are unable to get out much, but are picked up by a small bus to take them to bingo once a week. It's their only night out. Every day I see people getting taxis, young mothers having their nails done, burger cafes full of young families, people with expensive mobiles, etc. These people don't work uh, and get away with receiving benefits without questions asked. A game of bingo and maybe a cig or pint a week. Why not for their only treat in life? Uh, on the subject of the budget, it's the budget day today. You're the, the Chancellor, dear listener. I'm giving you the chance to change one thing. What would you do to make your life a little bit better? And maybe the life of the country as well. Steve's in Luton. Good morning, Steve. Hello, morning. Steve, what would you do? Um, I'd, I'd uh, get almost get rid of um, foreign aid, stop family tax credit, stop fuel allowance, um, cut into the NHS, because NHS is... There's too much money spent on there. We should scrap the NHS, actually, and have private um, medical insurance. That would save us billions. Um, and then you'd be looking after yourself more. You know if it's going to cost you. If you're going to hurt yourself, you know, if people go drinking and taking drugs, then they're going to have to pay the price themselves, aren't they, for medical treatment instead of relying on the NHS and people moaning about it. But what about people who, you know, who, who don't... I'm sure a percentage of people in hospital have hurt themselves by drinking and taking drugs, but, but I'm sure also there's a huge percentage of people that just get ill, you know, that get cancer. Yeah, but, or... yeah well, obviously the thing is, well, obviously there's going to be some sort of safety now. I mean, everyone's going to have to pay something. I mean, most people, majority of people, those 95%, do work sometime in their life. At the end of the day, if everyone starts paying when they're 16, just a small percentage... But every, every Everyone does. Medical, 
yeah, but then if you pay for it yourself, you can look after yourself. People take advantage of NHS. They, they drink, they take drugs, they do this, and then when they're 65, they moan because they've got to wait three months for consultant. Now, if they hadn't done all this stuff in, the pre, in their life of, you know, yeah, well, the NHS will pick it up, I've paid into it, this is the mentality you've got in this country. Well, Steve, I don't, I don't think there are many 65-year-olds who took dr- drank and took no, drugs but, and are moaning. Yeah, but a lot, of people, a lot of people drink probably seven or eight pints every day, which is fair enough, but at the end of the day... Getting these these figures from? I'm just averaging. I, I don't from, know from what. Any, anyway, you're, you're listen, at the end of the day, I believe medical insurance scrapped the NHS. But that not, but not everybody, Steve. Not everybody. Um, let's follow this point a bit. Not everybody can afford medical insurance. What about those people that couldn't afford that's it? What I, that's what I said. There'd be a safe in there. Obviously, in every in every. So there is an people, NHS then. No, you'd have a safety. You'd have a safety. You've got to have some sort of safety somewhere. Well, what? if you're scrapping the NHS, then there is an NHS. Well, you've still got the hospitals and the nurses, but you're paying it in a different format. The, the funding would come for, from the from you and me instead well, of it comes from you and me. Yeah, but I pay for the NHS. Right, well, let's go down the road of 10 people and see how many of them that have been in hospital in the last 10 years have actually spent more on the, the NHS, spent more money treating them than they've actually paid tax. I mean, you look at, if you look at it properly, okay. you'd have to do a test. Well, Steve, can, we, can, we, send you out, can we send you out to, to investigate those ten people? Would you be able to do that for us? Well, I'll try something, yeah. Okay. Well, at, the end, at the end of the day, the NHS costs thousands of millions every year. Yeah. And we're not, we, we can't afford it. So we can't afford to look after ourselves alone, giving money away and giving money to Europe. It's ridiculous. We've got to start cutting and it's going to work. At the end of the day, if we look after ourselves healthily, we won't have to spend as much money on NHS. Does that not make sense for you? Ever, ever been in hospital, Steve? <coughs> yeah, I have, yeah. What, what, what can I ask what for? Um, there was, there was one time I, I had a few drinks myself. Stephen! Stephen, so hang on a second. <laughs> the people oh, you were talking about are you! Yeah, I went in once, but other times I've been in three. I'm an issue. Stephen, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for calling. Yeah, cheers. Ta-ta. <laughs> so... The people he's talking about who are in hospital because they've had a few drinks or done whatever are him. Well, it's an idea. What do you think? Get rid of the NHS? We all have private insurance? I suppose it's an idea, isn't it? 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thankfully, no accidents reported across the three counties this morning, but traffic is definitely building. The A1M's looking slow southbound from Junction 8 at Hitch into 7 at Stevenage. The A1001 is looking slow on the southbound side from around Junction 4 of the A1M to Junction 2 of the A1M. Great Cambridge Road on the southbound side through Chesant. It's busy on the A10 this morning between College Road and Winston Churchill Way. Then, once you get down toward Enfield, it's pretty heavy between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road as well. Meanwhile, in Borehamwood, we've got queues on the Barnet Way, the A1 on the southbound side between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. M25 is still slow-moving anti-clockwise from the M1 round to the A404 junction 21 to 18, and then from Maple Cross to the M4 junction 17 to 15 is looking busy as well. 
If you're going to Luton Airport to meet anyone who's flying in today, delays are possible for people arriving into the UK through border control because of industrial action by some border agency staff. On the trains across the three counties this morning, things are looking good. We've got no major problems on the departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Let's get the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Good morning. It's 7.30. The headlines. The Chancellor delivers his budget this afternoon and is expected to outline plans for spending around £2.5 billion generated by cuts to most government departments. Workers at the government's tax office in Luton will be among thousands of civil service union members staging a 24-hour strike today in a dispute over pay, pensions and working conditions. And a major building and restoration project is about to begin at Bletchley Park thanks to a £7 million grant from the National Lottery. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. MK Dons lost 2-1 at Crew last night and had defender Anthony Kay sent off in the second half for two yellow cards. The defeat damages the side's slim chances of making the playoffs. Manager Carl Robinson criticised his players. I apologise for the fans who've made the trip down today. Um, I have to hold my hands up and accept the, accept the responsibility of us being very, very poor. That was a shambles. I've just told them in there. Some of them might be playing for the football club this next season. Keep up performance like that. That's not good enough. It's not acceptable. Also in League One, Stevenage lost 2-0 at Berry. Borough goalkeeper Steve Arnold saved from the penalty spot in the first half, but Stevenage couldn't avoid defeat. Boss Gary Smith couldn't hide his frustration. Continues our long run of Jekyll and Hyde performances. And I would suspect everybody that had seen the game on Saturday would agree that it bore no resemblance to what they'd seen at home against Sheffield United. And, you know, that has been the challenge for the coaching staff and the players to find some consistency and yet again tonight we've not found it. There was also disappointment for Wickham Wanderers in League Two. They lost 1-0 at Bradford. Luton Town returned to winning ways. Meanwhile, in the conference last night, beating Stockport 1-0 at Kenilworth Road. Skipper Steve McNulty scored the only goal in the first half and manager John Still was almost impressed. I'm really pleased with how we're we going defensively. Um, we're not making the most of our opportunities. I think we should have done better with our opportunities. I thought we were worthy of more goals. That's the only disappointment, though. In Conference North, Bishop Stortford lost 2-0 at home to Harrogate. In the Southern Premier Division, Chesham beat Bashley 3-1. Bedford lost 3-0 at Leamington and Hemel Hempstead beat Bedworth 2-1. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, wind turbines, which would be 125 metres high, could be built in part of Buckinghamshire if plans get the go-ahead today. I'll be speaking to the campaign group and the developers to find out more about the plans. And Matthew Loddy from King's Langley, well, I think I think he's bonkers. He's running 18 miles. I nearly called him a Muppet. I thought, actually, that's perhaps a little bit rude because he's doing it for charity. <laughs> but he is. He's running 18 miles this morning just to do an interview with me in Luton. Well, Justin Dealey, our Keep Fit correspondent, he's kind of like the BBC Three Counties Mr Motivator, is following him as he makes his way through Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. We'll find out where he is in about ooh, 20 minutes' time. 08459 555555. Or you can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on it. We're asking... You, well, I'm giving you the job of Chancellor for the day. What would you include in the budget? to make your life better. Daz says, if I was Chancellor for the day, I'd do everything to help pubs by cutting tax, charge foreign lorries road tax and boost British produce by putting more tax on imports. Well, there we go. 
Now, wind turbines, almost the height of the London Eye, could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're given the go-ahead at a planning meeting today. Aylesbury Vale District Council will decide whether to give permission for four turbines and associated buildings to be erected in Stoke Hammond. Joined now by David Butterworth, Director of Force 9 Energy, who are the wind farm developers for the site. Morning, David. Uh, good morning, Ian. David, come to you in a second. I've also got on the line a campaign group against the proposals called Stop Dorcas Line Turbines. It's been set up. Their chairman is Malcolm Newing, who joins me now. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning, Ian. Malcolm, what's being proposed? Uh, well, basically, uh, as you've just described it, there are four uh, wind turbines, 125 metres high, that have been proposed in some farmers' fields that sit um, in the middle of six local communities. And, and what's your problem with that? Well, the, the problem is uh, not... Uh, we don't have a problem with, with green energy, and we don't really have a problem with wind turbines either. Our problem is that the site's inappropriate. Um, whether you're talking to Ed Davey, the Secretary of State for Energy, or whether you're talking to John Hayes, the Minister for Energy, they are both of exactly the same opinion that when wind energy um, is brought to a locality, it has to be brought to one that's appropriate. But why, is, why is your area not appropriate? Well, there's a whole range of issues. Uh, the council, for example, has determined that the impact on the, the landscape, the historic sort of rural Buckinghamshire landscape that exists in this particular area, is one reason for objecting. And they've also suggested that the residential amenity of the nearby houses is another reason. Well, for what objecting. does that mean, the residential amenity? I don't understand. Well, basically, what that means is that, that I guess if you look at wind turbines, they were originally planned, um, to, bearing in mind the size, to have been built at sea or perhaps up a mountain or in a very wide open space. Um, now they're starting to be built very, very close to people's houses. They've changed the design, though, haven't they? So. Uh, well, whether they've changed the design or not, they haven't changed the height. In fact, that's not quite true. They have changed the height. They're getting bigger and bigger. So you're, and bigger. Uh, so you, okay. So your your main concern then is 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 just what it looks like. No, not at all. Um, what it looked like. I'm confused. Is I'm, I'm confused. Could you could you summarise what your problem with it is? It's it does sound like at the moment, and maybe you can clarify this. It does sound a little bit like nimbyism. That, that's such a tired and lazy accusation. Well, which, which, prove, uh, prove, prove uh, otherwise, Malcolm. If you want me to answer the question, let me answer the question. Please do, but prove it, otherwise, because that's it, what it, it sounds it's like. It's an incredibly tired and lazy accusation, okay. which trivialises the important issues. But, Malcolm, that, you've not told me what the important issues are. That's why, I'm, that's why it sounds like nimbyism. Right. The important issues, as if you just give me five minutes to actually well, explain not f- the You're not going to get five minutes, no, but go on, try and explain it. <laughs> There's a whole stack of issues. Well, I've tell me what they are, Malcolm, Malcolm, please. The second one is cultural heritage, the fact that these things will actually appear up behind the churches that have been in this site for the last two or three hundred years. We've talked about residential amenity. The fact I don't that know what you mean by residential amenity. unpleasant places to live. Malcolm, I don't know what there you mean. Is... Malcolm, Malcolm, I don't know what you mean by residential amenity. You're I'll not being clear. I'll explain it to you. Well, explain it again, because I'm obviously being because very stupid this morning. so close to people's houses that right. they're overpowering and overbearing, making those places unpleasant unpleasant places to live. How are they making them unpleasant? Because they're huge, they're vast. So it's what they look like. They've got huge moving parts. So it's what they look like. Uh, What they look like is one part of it. The other part of it, of course, is what they do. They create noise. Um, But the noise in this particular site, we've had our own consultants look at and they've concluded that they don't even meet the uh, standard that the government has set, the actual standard that the government has set. Okay, Malcolm, thank you for that. Stay there. Let's speak to, to David. David, they're in the wrong place. They're noisy and they're an eyesore. Um, they're in the right place. Um, 
Dorcas, for people who, some of your listeners might want to know where, where Dorcas Lane is, actually. If, you, if you're driving up to Milton Keynes along the A4146 bypass, there's, there's a new bypass there which runs parallel to the West Coast main line. Uh, we're talking about a piece of land just to the west of that, which is about four miles, four miles south of Milton Keynes. Um, it's a good location for a wind farm um, for, for several reasons. Um, one is the wind speed there is very good for a wind, a wind farm. You know, we've got an open veil with winds coming across it. We can generate a good amount of renewable electricity. Um, the site is in the southeast of England. That's where electricity is needed. That's where the demand for electricity is. If we continuously build wind farms in Scotland or Cornwall or Wales, then we've got to build transmission lines across miles and miles of countryside to bring the power to where it's needed. So being in the southeast of England, close to population, is a good place to build a wind farm. There's, already, there's also an existing electricity network in the area, which means that you know, we don't have to build new power lines. We've got the, we've got the distribution line in place. There's a good road network in the area, so we can, we can get the components in without building new roads. You know, we can, use the, we can use the A5, we can use that new bypass that was built recently. So, Malcolm, um, uh, David, according to Malcolm, yeah. they're noisy, and they're an eyesore, and they are huge. Yeah. Well, it's true. Um, the, the, the council have considered lots and lots of reasons about this wind farm, and Malcolm's mentioned some of them. In actual fact, as Malcolm said, the council have come down to one conclusion... Uh, well, the council officers come down to one conclusion, that, that, that people will be able to see them. There's an issue with landscape and visual and with residential immunity. Um, all the other things, you know, um, noise, um, ecology... How noisy are they? Um, if me and you were standing here now, um, if, we were, if we were having this interview underneath one of the wind turbines, um, we wouldn't need to raise our voice at What all. if we were 100 feet away? Because I've heard that they're, they're noisier if you get further away from them. Yeah, I mean... Is that by, true? By, by the, t- the, the closest houses to these windows. Is, is that true? They're, no- they're noisier if you're a little bit further away from them than if you're directly under them. Um, no, that's not true. Okay, no. no. So the ho- will the houses be able to hear them? When you're about well, the, the closest houses are about eight hundred meters away. Yeah. Um, if you're in the garden under some conditions, you know, if the wind is blowing in the right direction, you might just about hear a very very faint sound. Um, but that's, that's about all. Malcolm, a very, very faint sound. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? I'd just like to make one point here, Ian, that, uh, that this site is in the lowest 2% in the country for wind speed. So as far as this being a great site with raging winds, that's a complete joke. David, how can you respond to that? Um, that's absolutely not true. Um, we've been measuring the site. We've been measuring the site for over a year. We've been measuring the wind speeds. And, in fact, we've seen the, we've seen the figures that Malcolm and his, and his colleagues have produced. And quite frankly, they've got their sums wrong. Um, they've, they've assumed a wind speed at a height of 45 metres. These turbines are going to be 125 metres high. The wind is much higher at 125 metres, and the generation from the turbines will be that much greater. Smoking mirrors in. Um, we, we, we've used the national site that's provided by DEC, um, and we have measured it at 45 metres, because that's always available to anybody. But the whole of the sites across the whole of the country are measured at 45 metres. Um, you know, therefore, you could gross them all up, and therefore the comparison would be exactly the same. Anyway, you asked me about noise. The, the, the issue with noise is that, that there's increasing evidence of low-frequency noise being a problem with wind turbines. Um, Dr Chris uh, Hanning of the BMA has explained quite clearly, and he's an expert in this, that noise leads to uh, sleep deprivation, and sleep deprivation leads to health issues. The, the real issue here is that the wind turbine industry doesn't understand themselves. 
But what type of sight causes a problem? But if you can't hear the noise, Malcolm, that's not going to keep you awake, is it? No, it doesn't keep you awake. You're absolutely right. But when you wake up and then you do hear the noise, you can't get back to sleep. That's what sleep deprivation is. And sleep deprivation causes far more problems uh, of, of ill health. But, but, but David's saying, David saying you won't hear a noise. Well, yeah, David's incorrect. Uh, yeah, I've just quoted you. Dr Chris Hanning of the BMA tells you precisely. Wind turbines David, Dr Chris Hanning of the... Uh, let's, let's, just, a, well, let's just, David, response. We're running point. out of time. Malcolm, in a second, I'll get you, let you make your point, I promise. It's okay, not David. David, a doctor from the BMA disagrees with what you, you're saying. Um, wind turbine opponents often wield out people who will support a particular point of view. It's not hard to find one person who's against wind farms who will support some, some But, some but it, it doesn't, that doesn't, if a, if a doctor from the BMA is saying that, he's not just going to make stuff up because he's against wind turbines, is he? He must have some evidence. The vast majority of scientists and doctors would say something different. The vast, the vast majority okay. of doctors... Okay, right, we can have a little bit of he shed, yeah. Malcolm, you wanted to make one more point. Uh, yeah, there's an important point you might ask, ask Mr Butler about. I mean, he's telling us that there won't be any problems with noise on this site. Um, and of course, None of us will know until the damn things are built. But actually, um, one of the only two operational sites that Force 9 have been involved with in the UK, Blangwen, or they call it now Outwithis, has got ongoing noise problems, and he told the people there exactly the same story. Well, you, David, you can respond to that. <coughs> um, Is that true? There are, there are, noise has been an issue without doubt at some turbines in the country. You know, there can be mechanical problems, there can be issues, but those can be solved. Have, uh, they, been, have they been solved in the location that Malcolm's referring to? It's not a project that we, we are currently involved with. Um, it's, it's a project that's operated by another wind farm company. That's because they've sold it on, and which is the other thing that happens. Once, once uh, Force 9 have got their deal on this particular site, the very strong likelihood is, having got their planning permission, they'll sell it on, and that's exactly what they did to Statcraft down in, uh, in Wales. That, that, that doesn't sound great, does it, David? If, if there is a problem with noise, and then you, you, you just sell it on, and, and the next company might not be so... Um, yeah, it, it's not true that we're selling the project on. We, we're developing this project in partnership with EDF Energy. They've been involved with it from the beginning. They will be the owner of the wind farm. They'll be the operator of the wind farm. There's, there's no intention at all to sell this project. But they did sell the other one on, so... OK, listen, chaps, we're going to end it there. Thank you very much. Excellent uh, stuff. You, you heard last voice you heard there was Malcolm Ewing, who's uh, from the Stop Dorcas Lane Turbines campaign group. And before, uh, before that, you heard David Butterworth, director of Force 9 Energy, who are the wind farm developers for this site. Well, what do you think? 08459 455 555. It, it, it took a while to get Malcolm's argument, and I hope, Malcolm, you feel that I gave you a, a fair crack of the whip. I, I felt it was a little bit... Um, it did sound like nimbyism at the start. Um, and you can say it's, it's, that's a lazy, tired argument, but it, if that's what it sounds like, then, then, then that's what it sounds like. It, it, it took more shape, I think, Malcolm's argument towards the end of, uh, of that piece. Who, who do you agree with? Malcolm or David? 08459 455 555. Would you have wind turbines? I genuinely don't think, if they built wind turbines near me, I don't think I would object I don't think I would. I, th- I think, and let's put my cards on the table, I think they look uh, lovely, uh, and I think it's an important thing that they're doing. But what do you think? 08459 455 555. There were some holes in David's argument, weren't there? That they, they, they can, they're quiet, but, well, actually, maybe there are some technical problems that, that create noise. Right, speak to you after the latest travel with Adam Glynn. Hi.
Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, there's a lane closed off. An accident at Junction 11 for Dunstable means that traffic's looking very slow on that southbound carriageway. Busy already this morning through Chesant. The A10 is looking slow from College Road through to Winston Churchill Way. On the A1 around Boreham Wood, we've got queues between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. For anyone using the M25, clockwise seems to be moving okay, but anti-clockwise, heavy traffic from the M1 at Junction 21 through to the A404 at Junction 18. And then again from 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4, looking particularly busy at the M40 Junction. On the trains, it's still a good service right across the three counties, whether you're heading to London or going elsewhere. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Morning, it's 7.46. It's uh, Wednesday the 20th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor delivers his budget this afternoon and is expected to outline plans for spending around £2.5 billion generated by cuts to most government departments. Workers at the government's tax office in Luton will be among thousands of civil service union members staging a 24-hour strike today in a dispute over pay, pensions and working conditions. In sport, England cricketer James Anderson says he'll be fit and raring to go for tomorrow's final test against New Zealand. Well, let's uh, speak to you after this, but before that, let's get the weather with Lara Lewington. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, a cloudy start to the day and quite a few showers still to come. But having said that, throughout the afternoon, we're going to start to see a few sunny intervals. So it's not all doom and gloom, but those temperatures really aren't up to much. A high of just five degrees Celsius. And by tonight, although the wet weather should have cleared away, we are going to be seeing a cold night with a widespread ground frost, particularly across the Chilterns and other rural areas. Those temperatures down to just minus three degrees. So very chilly for this time of year and tomorrow a cold and frosty start to the day there will be some brightness but by later on it'll be becoming increasingly cloudy and pretty windy thank you very much hi caramba tackling your consumer problems on bbc three counties radio my son took it uh, back to the, the garage the mechanic says yeah i know what it is so they took it in done what they had to do and the car was still the same still doing the same thing the jvs show fighting for your rights the long and short of it is he agreed that he would replace the car if you have a consumer problem we can do the same for you i'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done we wouldn't have got where we got without you it's a pleasure i'm gonna call that a result any other problems you know where i am Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. I just need to clarify one thing. Uh, I have been speaking about car trouble the last couple of days, but if you are a car dealership in Beds, Hearts or Bucks and I come in today to part exchange a car, it's not the car I've been talking about that's broken down three times after over the last two days. Okay, so if you, if you run a, a car dealership and you see me pop in wanting to part exchange, it's not the car car that I've been banging on about the last couple of days. <laughs> it's, it's a completely different car, of course. Huh? Idiots. Oh, dear. 
Now, work to create a new visitor centre and to restore some of the code-breaking huts at Bletchley Park is about to begin. The restoration work was made possible thanks to over £7 million of heritage lottery money. It's due to be completed by June 2014 to coincide with the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Well, our reporter Tony Fisher and World War II veteran has been behind, uh, been for a behind-the-scenes look and started by talking to the chief executive of the park, Ian Standen. Ian, we're standing in Hut 6 used during the war for code breaking we're standing outside this room which we can't actually go into because basically it's got no floor (laughs) the floor's collapsed looks like the part of the roof is collapsing there's wires dangling down from it the radiators at an angle uh, the windows at an angle (laughs) how how are you going to set about going back to restoring it to its original glory if that's the right word well, our, our architects and, and our project managers will um, look at how we can coordinate all this, but basically we'll be left in many cases with just the frameworks of the building with all the, the, the panelling taken out and replaced. Where it's fit for purpose, it can go back in. Where it's not, it'll be replaced by um, either like-for-like material or where, for things like asbestos, we can't put asbestos back in, we'll replace them with appropriate replacements. So how do you recreate what was sort of going on here? Are you going to put desks in and that sort of thing? or A combination of techniques. It's what called light-touch interpretation. So perhaps one room like this might well be um, dressed with desks and what have you to look like it was during the war, perhaps with a projection on the wall showing the images of a, a chap or what have you working here. Another room, perhaps across the corridor here, might just have audio-visual telling the story. Others might just be dressed, just be, just be left um, as, as they were. Mm. Um, so it gives people a sort of feel as they walk through to get an idea of the atmosphere in here. So a bit of sound just evoking you know, perhaps typewriters, telephones going off, that sort of thing. Kennedy O'Callaghan, architect. Kennedy, we've moved into block C, which was the card indexing block. This is also in a very dilapidated state. Uh, There's pigeon poo everywhere, roofs are falling in, windows are in a state, cobwebs everywhere, a bit like the huts. This is the block that's going to be turned into the the visitor centre. I mean, it's hard to see that in its present state, but this is going to be the first thing that people see when they come into the centre, isn't it? Yes. And our approach to this building is to restore it to its wartime layout and character. And the idea being that when you enter into Block C, you step back in time and you begin to see what Bletchley Park was like during the war. We have wartime plans of the building and we can remove partitions which were put in when it was used as a training college by GCHQ, and we know the original layout of the building, and we'll revert to that. Uh, my name's Steve Prowse. I'm a project manager with Apple Yards. Steve, we're standing in the middle of Bletchley Park. We're outside. We've gone through Block C and the huts. We're by the fountain, by the lake. How is this whole project going to change the whole face of Bletchley Park? The aim is that when, when the visitor arrives... Uh, the cars are all you know, parked out, out of the way and the visitor experience starts as soon as they enter into Block C. As I said to Ken in Block C, can it all be done by uh, next year, June 2014? Yeah. Seems quite a, quite a stretch. Well, uh, as, as project manager, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, my, it's your job. <laughs> it's my plan. And, and, and in a little way, the, Bletch, the, the Bletchley atmosphere does actually rub off on the project team, actually, you know, because those, those guys and girls, they were working to tremendous you know time time constraints and i've said to the project team if they could do it with the materials that they had then it's no excuse for us as as as, as a team to be able to del- deliver that that's our reporter tony fisher uh, looking at the updates and the money that's going to be spent at bletchley park now 
marathon runner Matthew Loddy is running from his home in Kings Langley all the way to our studios in Luton. He better get here before nine, otherwise, well, he's had a wasted journey. We're going to send a welcoming committee out there. It's going to be Ollie, the work experience. He, he, he can make a big noise, I'm sure. 18 miles is the distance. We've given him two and a half hours to complete the challenge. He set off around about 20 past six. He's doing it to raise the uh, profile of a charity challenge. He's running 30 marathons in 30 days to raise money for the excellent Teenage Cancer Trust. Well, our the BBC Three Counties' very own Mr Motivator, Justin Daly, has been following him in a car. An hour ago, they were in Apsley. Justin, what's the latest? Uh, Ian, can I be completely honest with you? Yes. We've lost him. What? Yes, we've lost him. You've lost yeah. our marathon, man. <laughs> we've lost him. He's Daily? I know, I know. All you've got to do is follow a bloke who's running. I How many cigarette breaks did you have? Too many, far too many. So, uh, a listener appeal right now. Um, we spoke to Matthew this morning, just oh, after 6.15. He left at 6.25. That was in Kings Langley. We then spoke to him at 6.45 in Apsley. Uh, we believe the route that he was taking was going through Hemel Hempstead Town Centre, up the Hemel Hempstead Road, down the Redbourne Road, into Harpenden, and then into Luton. We believe he should be coming past us any minute now, to be fair. We're currently on the, the Redbourne Road. But uh, if you see Matthew, uh, can you give us a quick call right now? Because uh, we've lost him. Uh, 08459 oh. 455 555. But I think Justin. he's playing a trick. I think he's playing a trick. Because earlier on, he said to me, two and a half hours it would take me. That's what I got it down for. Yeah. He said, a few weeks ago, it would have taken me one hour and 30. Oh, is he teasing us? I think he might be. I think he's playing a trick on us this morning. Because when he said that to me, I thought, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He said, my knees have been playing me up, but a few weeks ago, an hour and a half, slightly longer today. So, uh, if anybody's seen Matthew, let us know. Uh, 100 marathons in 100 days last year. He kicks off again this weekend in Edinburgh. 30 marathons in 30 days. He will be with you, I guarantee you, by nine. Whether we can find him before nine is another matter, Ian. Have you... Hmm. Have you ever lost a guest before? <laughs> Never lost a guest before. And you know, the funny thing is, uh, Matthew's wife is also out with us today. In the, <laughs> in, in the Teenage Cancer Trust wagon. Yes. Uh, with all the details, how you can donate for this fantastic cause uh, and the new marathon challenge. Uh, Karen now is driving around trying to find him as well. Wow. So uh, we will find him. I think, though, I think he should be around here. Okay. Uh, we believe uh, the route again going through Harpenden, up the Luton Road, past Luton Who, down London Road, into our studio. Studios in Hastings Street in Luton. He will be there in. Don't can you panic. Can you describe what he looks like and what he's wearing so okay, our listeners can keep an eye he's out? He's clearly very, very fit. Um, to do 30 marathons in 30 days, you've got to be very fit. He's um, probably about six foot, I would say. Quite shaggy hair. He's wearing some very cool glasses and he's wearing a fluorescent jacket, clearly wearing trainers as well. If you can spot <laughs> our marathon man, Matthew, <laughs> let us just know. Say, <laughs> the, the import and the weight that you gave to that yes. clearly wearing wearing trainers as well. Oh, hang on a yes, second. Yes. Da- Dave? Yeah? Dave, have you seen him? No, I ain't seen him, but he's probably using the Nicky line to cut off about two miles. He's doing what? Yeah. He might be using the Nicky line. What, what's the what's the Nicky line, Justin? Uh, the Nicky line is, uh, I believe, it's um, an old railway line which can oh. cut off sometime. Now, if, if he's doing that, well, that's it's a very good point from Dave. We obviously can't go down the Nicky line in this car, can we? Is it, Dave, Dave, would that count as cheating? Is he trying to cut a bit of the distance no, off? You, you, you ought to see that road. Bloody lunatics go down there. <laughs> Do you go down there, Dave? 
Uh, yeah, a little there bit. We, there we go. Exactly. I think you've answered your mm. own point. Well, he, he could be on the Nicky line, Justin. He could well be. He okay. could well be. We will find him. We'll find we him. will find him. 80 miles. Who else? Who else? Come on. Who else runs 80 miles doing an interview? There, there, there might be a few uh, problems along the way, but we will get him there to you before 9 o'clock. Can I, I say, if you do not find our guest, yes. you're, you're fired. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's literally as simple as that, Daily. It's not looking good, is it? No, not looking great. Speak to you later on. Thanks, uh, you can, If you want to make a d- donation to. Uh, well, uh, yeah, if you want to make a donation, you can do. You can uh, text the word run. 30 to 70300. That makes a £3 donation. Teenage Cancer Trust receives 100% of every text donation. The donation costs three quid plus one standard text message. Right, you are the Chancellor this morning. What would you do to the budget to make your life a bit better or make the life of the country better? Lots of you on Facebook have been commenting on this and some of you have been commenting on my haircut on Facebook. Leave it out, alright? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Dudley Rose. They all begin with D, these names. Is there something in that? Hmm. Dudley Rose has put a big increase on, on duty on high-strength cider and lager. Uh, David Savage. MPs should freeze their pay and benefits. Duty should be cut on fuel to keep the country moving. David Bryder says, reduce fuel prices. They've started getting silly again. They have, haven't they? The, 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 last, the last ten days, they've just started sneaking up. 140 in some places for a bit of unleaded. Incredible. What would you do? You're the Chancellor for the day. 08459 455 555. And in a slightly connected thing, there's a housing association who said, listen, if you're struggling because of this, in inverted commas, bedroom tax, right, get rid of your luxuries. Get rid of your Sky TV, your fags, your booze and your bingo. There's been uproar at this. Tenants have, have, have gone feral arguing about this, but I don't see what the problem is. If you're struggling to make ends meet, on benefits or otherwise, get rid of the luxuries. That includes the sky, the cigarettes and the booze. We'll discuss more after the travel with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Southbound M1's got a lane closed. It's looking slow because of an accident at Junction 11 Dunstable and it's lane one, the inside lane, that's shut off. We're hearing reports that through Finmere, the A4421 has been blocked. An accident with a tractor involved between the A421 in Finmere and Thompson Drive in Bicester. But we are waiting for further updates on that. So if anyone's in the area and can see what's going on, do give us a call. 0849 455 555. Southbound A1 is queuing at the Black Cat roundabout. It's also queuing once you get into London through Boreham Wood from the Holiday Inn down to the A41 at Mill Hill. The A10 through Chesant's looking slow between College Road and Winston Churchill Way and then through Enfield it's heavy between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. All the trains are looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. We'll talk more about the budget. And also, your satellite TV, your booze, your fags, your bingo, they are luxuries, aren't they? You, you can't argue that they're an entitlement... Or can you? We'll speak more after the news. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, it's eight o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines count down to this year's budget, turbine plans for Buckinghamshire, and work begins at Bletchley Park. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor George Osborne delivers his budget this afternoon. It's thought he'll reveal forecasts for another fall in growth, and many experts believe he'll have to borrow more. Here's our political editor, Nick Robinson. Extremely bracing. That's how one senior minister describes the independent economic forecasts which the Chancellor will have to read out in the budget today. Having announced a further squeeze 
worries on day-to-day spending, he'll now be able to tell us how he'll spend the money saved in order to live up to his promise to help people who he says want to work hard and get on, own their own home and save for their retirement. This budget, unlike last year's, has not been comprehensively leaked, but it looks likely that the Chancellor will try once again to boost house building, to lay out plans to extend the tax-free personal allowance and to freeze planned fuel duty rises. Meanwhile, members of the UK's largest civil service union, the PCS, are staging a 24-hour strike in a dispute over pay, pensions and working conditions. Government departments, driving test centres, museums and job centres are among the workplaces expected to be hit and a rally will be held at Westminster while George Osborne delivers the budget. In other news, a 40-year-old man will appear before Luton magistrates later charged with sexually assaulting an 80-year-old woman in Houghton Regis. Darren Emerson from Parkside Drive in Houghton Regis is accused of attacking the pensioner in the early hours of Monday morning. Wind turbines almost as high as the London Eye could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're given the go-ahead at a planning meeting later. Aylesbury Vale District Council will decide whether to give permission for four turbines to be built at Stoke Hammond, as Lorna Hankin reports. The developers, Force 9 Energy, submitted their plans to erect the turbines and associated buildings next to Dorcas Lane back in December 2011. They say it would generate enough energy to power nearly 5,000 homes, but residents say they're too tall, very near to homes and that the wind farms are an unreliable source of energy. A decision is expected to be made today at the meeting, which starts at one o'clock. A major building and restoration project is about to begin at Bletchley Park. The National Lottery is covering the £7 million cost of the work, which is time to finish to coincide with the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings in June 2014. The Codebreakers Huts will be restored and Block C will become a visitor's centre, as architect Kennedy O'Callaghan explains. Our approach to this building is to restore it to its wartime layout and character. And the idea being that when you enter into Block C, you step back in time and you begin to see what Bletchley Park was like during the war. In sport, Luton Town beat Stockport 1-0 in the conference last night with skipper Steve McNulty scoring that goal. The weather, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius, that's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. I've got a nasal problem. It's um, it's a medical condition. I should probably get a blue badge for this. Anyway, exciting update, Catherine. Oh. Uh, Richard has just texted in saying he's driven past our runner, Matthew Loddy, going into Harpenden. So he's alive and well. Good grief. Is Justin behind him or...? Probably quite some way behind him, I'd imagine. <laughs> having, having a Benson and Hedges, but never mind. Thank you, Catherine. Yes, we've got a gentleman running 18 miles to come to the studio to be interviewed. We need to know roughly what time he's coming in so I can send out the welcome party. Work experience, Ollie. Uh, we, if you spot him, Justin Dealey has genuinely lost him. He's supposed to be out with him, following him in a car. I suspect he stopped for one too many tab breaks. If you spot him, could you give us a call? 08459 555555. Give him a, a toot of your horn as well. N- not to scare him, just to kind of, you know, cheer him on. He's doing it to raise awareness for uh, his charity challenge. 30 marathons in 30 days. In other news, budget day. Happy budget day, everybody. Did you get your cards out in time? Did you get a present for mum? Well, the Chancellor will lay out his economic plans for the next year. It comes as the union, the PCS, stages a 24-hour strike in a dispute over pay, pensions and working conditions. We'll find out why they're protesting next. And wind turbines. An eyesore or a good way of generating money? Four of them, almost the height of the London Eye, could be built in part of Buckinghamshire. We'll be finding out why people living nearby don't want them there. 
And also, after a housing association tells its residents, listen, if you're struggling with the bedroom tax, get rid of your satellite TV, stop drinking, stop smoking and stop going to the bingo. They've got a point, haven't they? All of those things are luxuries. Is there anybody listening who's outraged by a housing association suggesting people do that? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or... Look, all of the lines are free at the moment. You can give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Later on today, the Chancellor, George Osborne, will deliver his fourth budget. When did we start getting two budgets a year? Someone mentioned this on Facebook, and they've got a point. And it used to be on Tuesdays at three o'clock in the afternoon. Tuesdays or Thursdays, one of the two, at three o'clock in the afternoon. When did that all change? And it's the only time uh, a Member of Parliament is allowed uh, a boozy drink in the, 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 kind of the main chambers. I think... They don't do it so much now, but you always used to in the 80s and maybe some of the 90s, they'd have a little uh, a, a shot of scotch by them. Anyway, he's doing it against the backdrop of one of the worst economic climates in a century. To coincide with today's budget, there's a strike by the Public Services Union. Government offices across Beds, Hearts and Bucks are being affected. And one of the places affected is the tax office in George Street in Luton. Well, Jeff Webb from the Revenue and Customs part of the union is there now. Morning, Jeff. Morning. Happy Budget Day to you Happy as well. Happy Budget Day to you, Jeff. I hope you got your cards and your flowers out to your loved oh, ones. Oh, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful morning so far. A little on the chilly side, it's an outside, but apart from that, it's a glorious day. Why are you on strike today, Jeff? Because they're cutting our wages, because they're uh, tearing up our pensions agreements, because they get rid of staff, and, and uh, not only is the future of the staff and their families and anybody who depends on them, I think we all know a civil servant, we've all got one in the family, I think most people have, and the economic effect of that, but it's the effect on the public as well, and we've seen a terrible deterioration in the service that we can offer the public in recent years, and there's no good reason for it. Let me play devil's advocate, Jeff. Everybody is having to make cuts in, in private business, in the public sector. Everybody is making cuts, losing jobs, losing hours, uh, losing, uh, losing pay. Why should you be any different? Well, we're not any different, uh, and uh, I, I, what, we, what we say is that there's a different way forward for the economy. I mean, the, the reason that people are losing jobs is for the, ordinary people are losing money, and not the rich, but just ordinary people are losing money because of the disastrous effect of the government's economic policy, and we see a different way forward in PCS. We see a future in reinvestment, we see a future in decent public services, we see a future in which people can turn up to the tax office and, uh, and, and be seen by someone. You, you realise, of course, that all... 281 um, public counters or tax offices will be closed over the next couple of years if government plans go ahead. We don't want to see that. We want to see people in work. We want to see people receiving public services. And we want to see an economy that, that, that hangs together and there's a future. And at the moment, we don't see any future in what the government is doing at all. With other, other people struggling and t- to make ends meet and losing jobs, do you, do you think you'll have much public support today, Jeff? Well, I hope so. I hope so. We certainly meet people uh, when, when we're on the picket line outside the offices who, who, who we feel uh, understand what we're doing and, and, and support us. Uh, but we're happy to talk to anybody about this and, and, uh, and hopefully they'll realise that really uh, our struggle and fight is, is theirs as well. well we, we don't want to have anything better than anybody else. We want everybody to have a fine economic future and a life, not, not be dragged down to a level where they can't afford to live there is and no, there, no future. The, the problem is, Jeff, I would guess, that there is no money. There, there isn't the money. What would you suggest well, they do instead? 
Uh, I suggest they invest in the country. I mean, I was listening to a debate on the radio this morning about uh, investing more into the economics of this country and building it, rather like we did, uh, <laughs> I, I, this will be poor before both our times, after the Second World War. Uh, the economy was built up back then by uh, a Keynesian economics, uh, through investment, and a sense that there was a future. What I'm sensing at the moment is that the government doesn't really think there is a future. They're just grabbing the last few baubles for the, for the, for the, for the rich people. Uh, privatising everything. Jeff? 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 Jeff's been silenced. Well, there you go. MI5, or is it MI6, have, have got to Jeff Webb and silenced him. They don't believe in free speech. We'll try and get Jeff back, because I think he was making an interesting point. Well, what do you think? Is it, do, do you have support for, uh, for, for, the, uh, for, for, for these people who are going on strike? Public services on strike. Everybody's struggling at the moment, aren't they? Everybody's in a, in, in a tight financial situation. Well, d- do you have support for them? Or are you at home because you've lost your job or you're working flexi time going, well, yeah, and? Get with the programme, girlfriend. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call. Just a quick update on uh, our runner, Matthew. He's been spotted. Andrea has spotted Matthew running past the Fox Pub in Harpenton. Justin, get to the Fox Pub in Harpenton as quickly as you can, for goodness sakes. He's down that way, though. He's probably several miles past that now, the speed he's going. Why would you? Why would you? I know he's doing it for charity. I have been asked so many times, you should do the London Marathon. No, I'll, I'll, I'll write a, a cheque. How much do you want? What do you, do you want, a cheque? Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, Rach from St Albans has called in on the union strikes. Morning, Rach. Have you got sympathy for these strikers today? No, I think it's all wrong. Why, you know, why is that? Well, we're all having to cut our throats to try and live a get bit like, you know. And, um, you know, I don't know why I should be going on strike. My, my brother-in-law's lost his job. He's worked for a firm for about 14, 15 years. You know, I think it's, it's just all wrong all the way around there. Do you not, do you not think, though, that, that with these, these uh, 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 people in uh, the public sector, that... that um, if they've been promised things, like they've been promised wages and they've been promised pensions, to then have those things taken away or, or, or cut severely, that, that, is that fair? To have your pre- pension cut severely? Well, everyone else has got to take pay cuts, haven't they? Apart from MPs, you know, and I think myself, they should take a pay cut as well. Well, Rach, R- R- stay there, because we've got, we've got Jeff Webb back. Jeff, we were just speaking to from the Revenue and Customs, uh, uh, part of that union. Uh, Jeff, Reg is on the line saying, tough, tough luck. Jeff? We've lost Jeff again. <laughs> I think we'll he give up. Want to talk to me, <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I don't think that's the case, but you, <laughs> you may have a point. So you just think, listen, come on, everybody's having to, to suck it up and see. Just get on with it. Yeah, well, it's right, you know. Let's say, you've got old age pensioners in this country. They're having to suffer. You've got children having to suffer. And I think because they work for the government, they should have everything. Reg, listen, thank you very much indeed. 08459 555 Should we have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers? Let's do that, shall we? The Independent. The Independent's got a fantastic picture. Fantastic photograph. Putting a brave face on it. Chancellor set to raise tax threshold to £10,000 one year early. Uh, and it's a picture of lots of people coming out of an underground station. I can't quite work out what underground station it is. All wearing the same grey suits, uh, same blue tie, um, and wearing George Osborne masks. There was about 15 people there wearing George Osborne masks. It's freaky. Anti-hunger campaigners in Westminster on the eve of George Osborne's fourth budget. 
and academic savage Gove's conveyor belt curriculum. Michael Gove's proposed new national curriculum will severely damage education standards uh, by insisting that children learn endless lists of spelling, facts and rules. Experts warned today. Uh, the Times, there's Josh Stone. Josh Stone faces men who wanted to kill her. Josh Stone leaves Exeter Crown Court. She's the, the, the pop singer uh, who uh, a couple of gentlemen wanted to, uh, well, to, to chop her head off, I think, uh, after giving evidence in the trial of two men alleged to have plotted to kidnap her. Uh, the Times, top police protected celebrity suspects. Hundreds of police intelligence files on suspected sex assaults and criminal activity by celebrities, politicians and VIPs were kept so secret that detectives investigating alleged offences could not see them. Information on prominent suspects was marked restricted or secret and effectively hidden in police databases. Well, I never. Uh, the Guardian. Cyprus vote threatens new euro turmoil. Uh, MPs throw out plans to take savings. RAF sends out one million euros to British forces. The Cypriot Parliament last night threw out a controversial plan to skim 5.8 billion euros from savers' bank accounts. Uh, Malala goes back to school. Malala Yousafzai, the Pakistani 15-year-old shot by the Taliban in October for campaigning for... Hey, she just wanted women to read. They shot her. Yeah, nice one, guys. Uh, on her way to the Edgebaston High School for girls in Birmingham. Um, and budget boosts on tax rates amid grim forecasts. The Daily Telegraph. PM slur on stay-at-home mothers. David Cameron was accused of a slur on stay-at-home mothers yesterday after Downing Street suggested that they will be excluded from receiving childcare support because they do not want to work hard and get on. And there's the Pope. Um, <laughs> there's a brilliant picture of the Pope on the front of the Telegraph. It looks... I, I think he's about to kiss a baby. It looks like he's examining a child's throat to see whether he needs some form of surgery or something. That's a cracking picture. The Daily Express. Oh, look! It's uh, Kate Middleton uh, at uh, the Buckinghamshire charity yesterday that we uh, talked about, who uh, do a lot of work for um, uh, bereaved parents. And uh, they had their little visit yesterday. And statins and new health alert. Daily pill can cause kidney damage. A wonder drug taken daily by millions of Britons to control cholesterol could dramatically increase the risk of kidney damage. Uh, the Daily Mail, an insult to stay-at-home mothers, and Roach, Bill Roach, a.k.a. Um, uh, what's his name? Ken Barlow. Sorry for my slur on abuse victims. He's done a hoddle. Ken Barlow's done a hoddle and said that sexual abuse victims, ah, they've only got themselves to blame. They, they must have done something naughty in a past life. And The Sun, bittersweet, 6p joy on beer, not much else to cheer. George Osborne will today say cheers to Britain and scrap next month's 6p rise on a pint of beer. You, dear listener, are the Chancellor today. What would, what would you do in the budget to make your life a little bit better? 08459 455 555 815. Let's get the travel news, shall we, with Adam? Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And I'm starting with a quick look at trains so far this morning. So good, really. We've got no real major problems out there on the rails through the three counties. We've had one cancellation. It's the 8.47 from Milton Keynes to London Euston. I'm afraid that won't be running this morning. I believe because of a member of the train crew being unavailable. Everything else on the departure board's looking good with no more than about two or three minutes of delays anywhere. The southbound M1, now that's got a lane closed. Slow traffic because of an accident at Junction 11 Dunstable and it's the inside lane of the motorway that's closed off. In Finmere, we have reports that the A4421 is blocked by an accident with a tractor involved between the A421 at Finmere and Thompson Drive in Bicester, though we haven't had any further confirmation on that, so if anyone's in the area, do give us a call if it's safe to do so, 08459 555. 
Slow this morning on the southbound A41 through Hemel Hempstead between the A414 and the M25 at Junction 20. If you're joining the motorway anti-clockwise, it's heavy from the M1 through to Chorleywood, Junction 21 to 18, then again from Maple Cross to the M4, Junction 17 to 15. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Fun times, Adam. Thanks very much. It's 8.16, it's Wednesday the 20th of March, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor, George Osborne, delivers his budgets this afternoon. It's thought he'll reveal forecasts for another fall in growth, and many experts believe, believe he'll have to borrow more. Almost a quarter of a million civil servants are expected to take strike action today as the PCS union protests over pay, pensions and working conditions. In sport, the England cricketer James Anderson has declared himself fit to face New Zealand in the final test of the series in Auckland. Good for him. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, sunshine, showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees. Coming up, wind turbines, almost the height of the London Eye, could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're given the thumbs up at a planning meeting today. Before 8.30, we'll get more of your views on this. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's two days of live sport this weekend on Three Counties Sports. On Saturday from two, we focus on League One and the conference. Effort from Lowe, what a goal! What a goal from Ryan Lowe! With live commentary on MK Dons away to Colchester and Luton versus Tamworth. Breaks the deadlock at last at Kenilworth Road. Pass Sam Ashton into the corner of the net. Plus updates on Burton against Wickham and Bedford Blues at home to Doncaster. Three Counties Sports, Saturday from two, BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom! Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here, but oh. hold your horses, sir. Sorry okay. to point, that's rude. I don't know why pointing is considered rude. I'm indicating you, pointing at you. Yeah, I don't find it rude. No, OK, well, s- stop. Shut up. <laughs> that is a bit rude. Uh, was that rude? OK, <laughs> okay well, please be quiet. We are... We are uh, <laughs> shut up! We, we have got, we've got a, a young gentleman who is running 18 miles to be on this so show I'm today. Here. I know, the things we, we make people do. Just lost him. <laughs> Has he found him again? Well, I don't know. Dealey, have you found him? <laughs> yes, I found oh, him. For goodness <laughs> sakes. What, where is he? Well, we're now outside Luton Who? I cannot believe how quickly Matthew is travelling oh. this morning. 18 miles to get to you for this yeah. interview. Yeah. 15 miles in one hour and 47 minutes. He's wow. with me right now. Matthew, how fast are you going? And also, are you getting a lot of support along the way from our listeners? Um, yeah, first speed-wise, I'm, I was a bit concerned about getting, making sure I got to the, the studio on time, so I think I went a little bit too quick. And I'm getting loads of support, getting bibbed by loads of people as I go along. Brilliant. Yeah, they're telling him to get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way now. Mm. So we've got three miles to go. Roughly, how long will it take you to get from here, which is Luton Who, to our studios in Hastings Street in Luton? Uh, 21 to 23 minutes. Right, so okay. 22 I'm, I'm, minutes. I'm not going to lose you this time. Go on, get going now. Thank you, Matthew. There you go, Matthew Loddy. Uh, he's doing 30 marathons in 30 days. He kicks off this weekend in Edinburgh. Wow, he's going fast wow. here. Right, wow, girls. look at him. Right, he's, like, he's like Roadrunner, so he's off. Right, and girl. he'll be joining you live in the studio right, in around 22 e. minutes' time. Stop taking hey, the mickey. I'm Thank not, you very much. I'm not taking the mickey, just. I've just lost. I've just gone and got, lost my guest this morning, just. That's all. Uh, Ian, yes. Ian, can I just say a lot of people have actually been approaching the radio. Company. Oh, I've, I've accidentally, uh, Justin. I'm so sorry. We seem to have lost the signal. I thought Mark had fixed it, but it appeared not. That's a shame. <laughs> Jonathan Vernon Smith is in the studio. That's me. Um, and you are going to give me a hug later on. You've said. 
Well, no, I, I, I didn't actually well, say I'd give oh. you a hug. What I said was, you were moaning and groaning about your car. Right, yes. And uh, I said, anything I can do to help? Yes. You know, I mean, I do deal with consumer problems yes. every day. So yes. anything I can do to help? Yeah. I've got lots of contacts in beds, hearts and bucks in the car industry. Right. Anything I can do to help? That was the kind of thing I was thinking of. Right. Instead, you said, yeah, you can give me a hug later. I didn't say it with that weird kind of pervy face on it me. It was a little bit... Uh, there was nothing sexual about it at all. a little bit suggestive, to be honest. You can't do me for that. You cannot do me for that. Don't you dare send an email complaining about sexy harassment in this studio. Well, I just wanted to get it out there on uh, on the air. You make me sick. Sick. No, you can have a hug later if you want one. Thank you very much. Just, just not from you, from a member of your team. Now, listen, you've been causing uh, your audio booze. Your little clip from yesterday's show has uh, caused controversy, I think. Seems it? to have done. Absolutely. For those who missed it, what, what was it? Because you're talking about this in your show today, aren't you? Yes, on the big phone in this morning. I'm going to be asking, of course, it's budget day today, isn't it? So yes, happy budget day. Happy budget day to you, too. Yes. At nine, I'm asking, are you frustrated by our benefit system? As George Osborne is preparing to deliver today's budget, there are calls for him to stop what the TUC is calling damaging welfare cuts. The government has already announced a £26,000 cap on benefits, which will be introduced where we live in uh, July, on July the 15th to be precise. The TUC says that people's living standards are under threat of being severely reduced. Um, But should anyone on benefits be able to enjoy a quality of life that's better than someone who works? Yesterday on my programme, I spoke to Sarah from Hemel. She gets £1,700 a month on benefits, as well as help with her mortgage. This is what she told me. I took a really big jump and decided to leave my job um, to look after the children, and I'm now on benefits. And my biggest regret is that I didn't do it sooner because my disposable income is now more than what what it was before i just think that is crazy that i was working full time but now that i'm on benefits i'm actually better off one thousand seven hundred pounds a month but you don't get the pride the pride i mean we don't get any pride doing this nonsense but um, if you were doing a proper job the pride from crafting and making things you think that's uh, that's enough of an incentive Maybe not. Um, Lots of my listeners have been wanting to talk about this, and Mm. yesterday we ran out of time because Sarah was on just before the news. So this morning I want everyone to be able to have their say on this. Are you frustrated by our benefit system? Perhaps you're frustrated because you are also on benefits but get nowhere near the amount that Sarah's on and you're actually really struggling. Or perhaps you get really frustrated that there is anybody earning that amount of money when you consider loads and loads of, of people after tax and national insurance and everything else they've had to pay come home with far less than £1,700 a month. Mm. To be just given that by the state, is that outrageous? Or do you think, no, it's perfectly reasonable. If you've got two children to bring up, they need to have a decent standard of life. This is Great Britain, after all. 08459 455 555. Are you frustrated by our benefit system? We'll discuss it at nine. Come here. Come on. Come oh and give it to me God. Come and give it to me now. Give, very, give me I'm, the loving. I'm not a very huggy person. Come on. Come on, put your arms around me. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Oh, I feel so much uh, better. Do you like that? You smell nice, actually, don't you? Yes, I stayed in a very classy hotel last night, as I've told you. you. lovely. A fenjel. <laughs> Can someone Google Fengel and find out what that words mean? I suspect it's an insult. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. You, 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 you could so tell he didn't want that hug to take place. 
<laughs> there was a real reluctance. Only one arm went round me. Now, wind turbines, almost the height of the London Eye, could be built in Buckinghamshire if they're appro- approved at a meeting later today. Aylesbury Vale District Council will decide whether to give permission for four turbines and associated buildings to be put up in Stoke Hammond. Well, a similar project led to seven turbines being put up at Emberton near Milton Keynes in 2010. Our reporter, Ewan Duncan, visited the area to see if there's still the same strength of feeling among local residents nearly three years later. When I first saw them, it was driving up to look at the house and I thought they were rather graceful. (laughs) So it didn't bother us at all. Our old landmark used to be Didcot Power Station, so it's a huge improvement on that. I can understand people not wanting them close to them, but these are a long way from us. Though you can still hear them on a windy day when the wind is in our direction. Our television has been virtually destroyed. Everything goes through a small box, but we don't get half the programmes we used to get. Our other thing is the promises were not kept by the wind farm developers. And have you been able to do anything about the television aerial situation? We've had an aerial company out four times, but we have not had complete success. I'm not really happy with them. They are a blot on the landscape. You can see them for miles. Plus, we're not benefiting from them in any way at all. My electricity certainly hasn't gone down, so I I don't see the point of them. Although the actual view from some of the houses here, it's shielded in a way, isn't it? Some of them it is as well, but I think once you get some up, then you want more. For instance, there's going to be one at the back, which we will be able to see out of our windows. Um, We don't know when that's going through or not. There were grants available, but it didn't include solar panelling. So you think, what else could you use it for? You know, there was meant to be sort of money available for local residents to maybe do something, some sort of thing to, you know, reduce their bills. But it it definitely did not include solar panels on your roof, which is what most people really would have gone for. Well, Sally Lovkoskis lives in Stoke Hammond and is worried about the impact the wind turbines will have on the area. Morning, Sally. Good morning. Sally, Thank why... you for letting me uh, come on your show. You're very welcome. Why, why are you so worried? Well, my interest is in aviation as well as health matters for personal reasons, apart from one or two other people in the village. And um, like most people, until you have an application like this on your own doorstep, you tend not to take so much interest um, other than when it directly affects you. I couldn't understand why anybody would possibly put wind turbines when we have so much low-flying aircraft in the area. And I suppose maybe I'm a little bit more um, attuned to it because I remember back in 1998 when I was feeding my children their tea um, in the kitchen and um, I thought a helicopter was coming through our roof. We actually had a helicopter crash in Stoke Hammond. And um, I've taken it up from there, really, because I really just do not believe that they can possibly um, cite turbines when there are so much... So much uh, Sally, are you, are you saying that you're worried as an aeroplane is going to crash into one of these? Yes. And that is serious, yes. I, I, I seriously am. Wow. That would have to be a very low-flying aeroplane, wouldn't it? Well, we do have lots of low-flying mm. aircraft around here. And, um, I mean... I've looked into this massively. I'm not an, an aviation expert, but I've, I've checked, I have double-checked, I've had a good team of aviation experts behind me to check my facts, and it's a massively complex subject, um, which I think has been ignored. And what I would like to do yes. is concentrate on the uh, reasons why Aylesby Vale have decided that aviation is not grounds to... Um, 
reject the application on aviation safety. I mean, it's a much bigger, wider subject than that. It's a, it's a public safety issue, completely aside from any renewable energy or political statement whatsoever. And the reason being is because it is we are actually here right on the edge of controlled airspace. We're in, we're in uncontrolled airspace. Now, in Force Nine's um, declaration, this is the company that wants to build the uh, the, the, the wind yes, turbines. That's yeah, that's right. Yes, they have con- um, concentrated on Luton Airport's input and have stated that there is no impact under controlled airspace. We know Luton won't object. It's not controlled airspace here. There's different levels of airspace. We are in the lowest level. That means over open countryside, planes can pretty well fly as low as they want. There is a rule which means that they are not allowed to fly less than 500 feet over uh, vehicles, people, houses, structures, vessels. Mm. But apart from that, um, they fly really low. Now, in addition to that... Very quickly, if you can, because we're running out of time. You've got 20 seconds. Sorry. Um, Cranfield Airport have got instrument approach procedures which are higher, and there is just not physically enough space to fit in all this mixed vision, visual aircraft traffic with instrument control. OK, Sally, we have to end it. I think you got your point across there. Sally of Kuskis, who lives in Stoke Ham, and she's worried that aeroplanes might crash into the wind turbines. What do you make of that? 08459 four double five five double five. Is that really a possibility? Any aviation experts out there that could uh, verify that one way or another? Right, let's get the travel news now. Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's still pretty slow on the M1, southbound after the accident earlier at Junction 11, Dunstable. They've managed to clear that now. The lane has reopened. It was lane one that was shut, but still pretty busy. The A5 in Dunstable is looking slow between the A505 and the M1 at Junction 9. A41 is slow this morning through Aylesbury, around the Woodlands roundabout, and also in Hemel Hempstead from the A414 to the M25. In Watford, heavy traffic on Chalk Hill near the Bushy Arches. On the M25, you'll find queues anti-clockwise from Junction 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4. It's looking slow at the M40 turning at Junction 16, though once you get onto the M40, that's moving OK. Clockwise M25 is slow approaching the roadworks at Junction 23. They run from Junction 23 to 25. Slow on the southbound A10 in Enfield. We've got heavy traffic between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road and queues this morning on the A1 around Boreham Wood between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. Trains are looking fine. Bit of advice for anyone who's going to meet friends or family at Luton Airport. Now, delays are possible today for passengers arriving into the UK and going through border controls. This is because of industrial action by some UK border agency staff. So just be aware of that. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you. 8.31, news and sport now with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. The Chancellor George Osborne delivers his budget this afternoon amid speculation he'll reveal forecasts for another fall in growth and many experts believe he'll have to borrow more. A 40-year-old man will appear before Luton magistrates later charged with sexually assaulting an 80-year-old woman in Houghton Regis. And almost a quarter of a million civil servants are expected to take strike action today as the PCS union protests over pay, pensions and working conditions. 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. MK Dons lost 2-1 at Crewe last night and had defender Anthony Kay sent off in the second half for two yellow cards. The defeat damages the side's slim chances of making the playoffs. Manager Carl Robinson was not happy. I apologise for the fans who've made the trip down today. Um, I have to hold my hands up and accept the, accept the responsibility of us being very, very poor. That was a shambles. I've just told them in there. Some of them might be playing for the football club this next season. Keep up performance and like that's not good enough, it's not acceptable. Also in League One, Stevenage lost 2-0 at Berry. Borough goalkeeper Steve Arnold saved from the penalty spot in the first half, but Stevenage just couldn't avoid defeat. Boss Gary Smith couldn't hide his frustration. Continues our long run of Jekyll and Hyde performances. And I would suspect everybody that had seen the game on Saturday would agree that it bore no resemblance to what they'd seen at home against Sheffield United. And you know, that has been the challenge for the coaching staff and the players to find some consistency and yet again tonight we've not found it. I'm afraid there was also disappointment for Wickham Wanderers in League 2. The Chairboys lost 1-0 at Bradford. But Luton Town returned to winning ways in the conference last night, beating Stockport 1-0 at Kenilworth Road. Skipper Steve McNulty scored the only goal in the first half, leaving manager John Still almost impressed. I'm really pleased with how we're going defensively. Um, we're not making the most of our opportunities. I think we should have done better with our opportunities. I thought we were worthy of more goals. That's the only disappointment, though. In Conference North, Bishop Storford lost 2-0 at home to Harrogate. In the Southern Premier Division, Chesham beat Bashley 3-1. Bedford lost 3-0 at Leamington and Hemel Hempstead beat Bedworth 2-1. And some sports news just in. Kings Langley marathon man Matthew Loddy's been spotted thundering past Luton Hoo in a Lycra one-piece. He's running 18 miles to the studio this morning just to speak to Ian Lee. He clearly hasn't heard the show. And that's your latest hey, news. Hey, no, that's out of order. <laughs> More from it, Nan. Knock, knock. Who's there? Luton. Luton who? Yeah, you just said oh, it. You did a joke. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. A lot to cram in in the next 30 minutes before, before Jonathan Vernon Smith. It could be a little bit random. We're hoping that our runner is approaching the studios and uh, we will, fingers crossed, we'll be able to. Ollie uh, Bayliss, our work experience is outside. Ollie, Ollie, is there any sign of him yet? No, there isn't. I can't see him anywhere. I'm not quite sure which way he's going to be approaching from, though. Okay, he'll, be, he'll be the man running, so that will be a clue. Oh, OK. Can you describe the atmosphere there, Ollie? It's very tense. Very, very cold, but also tense. Yeah. And how many people are there with you as part of this welcoming committee? Um, well, it's pretty much just me, I'll be honest. Ouch. That's, uh, that's awkward. OK, well, if you can just do your best to try and... Could you, could you make some noise? Could you shout, like, yay, three counties and things like that? Yay, three counties! Woo! OK. Uh, <laughs> OK, well, just, Justin Daly, Justin. <laughs> Justin, we'll come back to you in a second. I've got no idea what's going on there. It sounds like he's underwater. What, what could possibly go wrong with following a man running 18 miles to come to the studio, all to raise awareness uh, for the excellent charity Teenage Cancer Trust, who do some superb work. I've done some bits and pieces with them, including uh, getting to announce The Who live on stage. Doesn't get much, co- uh, much cooler than that, does it? We'll try and find Justin Dealey. Although, to be honest, let, let, his contribution this morning really has been uh, has been rather slack i think you know he's, he he lost our guest for goodness sake he's he's one 
one job today was to drive comfortably in a car and, and find our guest. Justin, are you there? No, no, I can't hear you now, Justin, at all. What on earth is going on? I don't know what's going on there. We'll, we'll, we'll try and come back to Justin a little bit later on. 08459 455 555. It's the budget today. Happy budget day to you, dear listener. How are you celebrating? Huh? What are you doing to celebrate the budget? We've been asking you. I've been giving you the job. You are the Chancellor today. What would you do to make your life a bit better? Or, or the, the country's life a bit better. Well, Daryl's in Hazelmead. Morning, Daryl. Morning. Daryl, you're the Chancellor. What are you going to do in your budget? Right, I'll cut the wages of all the MPs for a start off. By how much? By at least 30%, because oh. they're earning too much for sitting around drinking and doing nothing apart from having a chat amongst themselves. Daryl, what is, what is the going weight rate for an MP? Something like 67,000. 64,000 or something, isn't it? It's ridiculous. And well, they're it's moaning about, they cut, they're cutting their expenses and everything. Well, 64, what do do? 64 grand for a responsible job like a Member of Parliament, though. It doesn't seem that excessive to me. Responsible, sorry. <laughs> I would like to know what your views are responsible are, because from what I can see about it, there's nothing responsible about it. So you'd cut their wages down to about 40 grand a year, would you? I would. Okay. I think, you know, you look at the minimum wage, put on the minimum wage, or else, even better, put them on performance-related pay. That's what they wanted to do with the police at one point. So when they start proving what they can do, then they can get a bit of money out of it. Okay. Anything else you do, Daryl? Yep. I would probably cut the amount of... You look, you look at the Conservatives, the way they're doing it. I know I'm supposed to be a Conservative for the day, which, God forgive me, I wouldn't want to be. But um, when they come into power, they're doing exactly what they've done all through history. Make it good for the rich, make it bad for the poor, allowing everyone in from Europe. All they're doing is putting strain on the National Health Service, putting strain on all the resources. They should do what all the other countries do in Europe and turn around and say, look, if you want to come into the country, that's fine. We've got no problem with that. But you have to have at least three generations of your family here before you start allowing... Daryl, I've got your point there. I'm not sure if all the countries in Europe do that, but Daryl, thank you very much uh, indeed. I have to cut you short because we're going to go live to our work experience boy, Ollie, who is outside the Three Counties studio. Ollie, what's the latest on our marathon man? Hi, Ian. Well, I'm outside the building, and he's just arriving now. Hello. I'm with Matthew now. How are you, Matthew? You don't, you, you don't actually look that tired, considering you've just run 18 miles from your home in Kings Langley. Yeah, I don't feel too bad. It was uh, I went off a little bit too quick, panicking that I wasn't going to get here on time. And, uh, and I steadied up from sort of halfway and uh, got a bit of rhythm, bobbed along and uh, made it, so it's fine. I can tell you, Ian, he looks like he's just jogged about 100 yards. He doesn't look any more tired well, than that. You, you sound more out of breath than he does. <laughs> are we, are, have you got evidence? Did you see him running towards you? He didn't just jump out of a cab or anything, did he? Well, he came around the corner, so I only saw him run about 10 metres, so uh, I don't know. We've all, I've got we've, no evidence. We've all done that trick on, on uh, the, the uh, cross-country run at school. We've all pretended... <laughs> we've thrown some water in ourselves and pretended we've run a, run a long way. Ollie, I, I don't know if this is explained to you. Part of your job now is to give him a good rub down all over. OK, Ali's well, uh, obviously got so excited at that prospect that he's, uh, he's dropped off the line to, uh, to go and give our marathon man a good rub down and, and make sure he's not so sweaty when he comes in. Uh, we'll be speaking to him just after uh, a quarter to nine this morning. Good for him. Are we sure he ran that far? Because he didn't sound out of breath in the slightest. Dealey doing an interview sounds more out of breath than that. He sounded very calm and collected. I'm, I'm, I'm confused by that, to be honest. 
We've been talking uh, about wind turbines and uh, some planning permission will either get the the thumbs up or the thumbs down today about these uh, wind turbines. Well, Dean Jackson is also against them. Dean, what's your problem with these uh, wind turbines? My problem with these wind turbines is the fact that my house is uh, approximately 800 metres away from them and all my living areas, or residential amenity, as people like to, the developer likes to call it, actually face the proposed development. Now, the reason I'm concerned is I have a daughter, a young daughter, who's eight. Um, her bedroom faces onto them, the living room, um, all the main areas of the garden. Um, and the problem with them is they're too damn close. When, obviously, I've got a south-facing view onto this development when the sun sets behind these turbines it causes something called shadow flicker and that means the light in the house is basically switched on and off um, where the sun sets behind the blades Um, and that's going to have a major impact on my property the developer has actually stated my property will be a less pleasant place to live that's why I'm not happy with these, uh, this development. If someone was to build a 44-storey block of flats uh, next to a house and then put a giant windmill on the top of it, um, I'm sure that would uh, cause objection as well. But that's it, it exactly it's, it's, what they see. Well, it's not, it's not quite the same as a, as a 44-storey block of flats, is it? Because a block of flats is obviously a, a much wider building. I, I, I would imagine this is a, a, a slimmer pole with a, the, the turbine on the top. Well, the, the turbine blades are 90 metres across. Yeah. That is not small. No. no, no I'm, I'm saying, the, I'm saying the, body, the body of the turbine, the, the, the pole going up to it, is, is nowhere near as big as a, a block of flats, is it? It's not as big as a block no. of flats, no, but there's four of them. Well, but Dean, stay there. Let's, let's speak to Paul in Bletchley. Paul? Yes, hello there. You live near the wind turbines in Milton Keynes, do you? Well, I'm a couple of miles away, but when I walk my dog, I'd certainly see them as soon as I go, go across to the fields. What yeah. do you think about the ones in Milton Keynes? Is there anything you can say that could, could help appease Dean, who's very concerned about the effect it's going to well, have on his I property? See, no, I don't live near Petstow End or Emberton, where the ones right. are. No, I live near Stoke Hammond. Um, okay. I'm actually on the Lakes Estate, uh, which is about two miles away. But, uh, right, and yeah. well, what's your view on these turbines? Well, I'm a bit ambivalent, to be honest. I mean, I think the, the th- I think there's a lot of hidden smoke screens on this. I think it's more to do with um, house prices. Perhaps people in Great Brick will overlook the valley there. Y- you know, I mean, people are bringing up all these things about aircraft, etc. Well, they look after themselves, don't they? I mean, it, you know, they, they wouldn't um, they wouldn't build them if the MOD said no, you know, etc. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a good site. I mean, the thing is that. Um, I'd rather have wind turbines on my doorstep than a nuclear power station. I mean, you can decommission a wind turbine in, what, six months or something. You, you, 20 years to decommission a nuclear power station, you know. It's, uh, Paul Burdine, what, what would you prefer, wind turbines or nuclear? Uh, well, let's face it, this is EDF. They're just um, electricity to France. This isn't clean British energy at all. I'd rather oh. that uh, EDF didn't build nuclear or wind turbines so in our country. So hang on a minute, if, if, if it was um, a British company that was building wind turbines, would that make it a little bit more palatable? Well, no, because the, the British developer, uh, the developer itself, themselves, is Force Nine Energy, right. which are British. Right, but if, <laughs> if the energy was was purely good, clean British energy that we weren't selling to the damned Frenchies, would you be happy with that? No, because it would still have a. Ah. The developer has stated ah, it will have a major impact on my house. Just wonder why you mentioned and it then. My house will be an, um, a, a more unpleasant place to live. 
Dean, hang on a second. Paul, go on. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, these, these turbines, as the gentleman said, they are 800 metres, half a mile away. Um, you've got the West Coast main line. You've got a four-lane um, Stoke Hammond bypass in between. I mean, I think noise is irrelevant, really, for the people who live in Stoke Hammond. It's, it's, uh, it's more maybe a visual thing. I mean, I must admit that they should investigate an idea of perhaps putting 20 smaller ones than four big ones you know maybe the government should be subsidizing the smaller ones you know i mean okay you get more wind higher up but um you know I've, i have read reports about some of these you know the smaller turbines are very effective um dean so would that be a compromise instead of four big ones 20 smaller ones well let's let's look at the look at the you've mentioned the, the bypass and the west coast mainline they mainly run through cuttings they do not they are not sitting above the ground 125 meters the plan in, as it stands is not for 20 small ones it is for would that, 425 meters would you ones. be happier so, with that if that were the plan well if, uh, how high are you talking uh, it's it's a, if if the problem I have is yes. they have said it will be a major impact on my house and okay. they will uh, make my, my house a less pleasant place to Dean, live. Listen, OK, thank you very much. I think you got that point. We'll be following that uh, that story closely. The, the, the planning application goes through today and we'll, we'll find out whether Aylesbury Vale Council uh, give it the thumbs up or indeed the thumbs down. Thank you for that, Dean, and also thank you, Paul. Travel News Now, here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's still looking pretty slow this morning on the M1. We've got delays heading southbound after there was an accident earlier this morning around Junction 11 at Dunstable. Lane 1 was closed off, open now, but busy nonetheless. Heading London bound, you've also got delays slightly further down the M1 from Junction 6 at Bricketwood through to 5 at Watford. The clockwise M25 is looking slow, approaching the roadworks. Junction 23 at the A1M. Those works continue from Junction 23 to 25. Anti-clockwise is queuing either side of the M40 junction. Junction 17 at Maple Cross to 15 at the M4. In Aylesbury, the A41 busy between the Oxford Road roundabout and the Walton Street roundabout. Watford, you'll find Chalk Hill pretty slow at the Bushy Arches. And in Dunstable, the A5 is looking rather heavy this morning with traffic building between the A505 and Lynch Hill. Trains still looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. On Facebook, we've got a few posts, most of them saying that actually... Uh, wind turbines don't see the problem uh, Danica says better than a pylon Kane says uh, would you like one near where you live I would Claire says wouldn't bother me Monique says I can't see understand what all the fuss is about oh wait four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number do you see a problem with these wind turbines <laughs> Right, it's 8.46, it's Wednesday the 20th of March, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A 40-year-old man will appear before Luton magistrates later, charged with sexually assaulting an 80-year-old woman in Houghton Regis. The Chancellor, George Osborne, delivers his budget this afternoon. It's thought he'll reveal forecasts for another fall in growth, and many experts believe he'll have to borrow more. In sport, the England forwards coach Graham Roundtree says he's seeking clarification from the International Rugby Board over the performance of referee Steve Walsh in Saturday's 30-3 uh, defeat to Wales. Coming up, the marathon man from Kings Langley has arrived in the building. We'll be speaking to him very shortly, but before that, let's get the latest weather with Lara Lewington. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, a cold and cloudy start to the day and a fair few showers emerging over the coming hours as well. By this afternoon, though, we should start to see a few breaks in the cloud cover and a little bit of sunshine mixed in with things. The only thing is, those temperatures aren't going to be topping five degrees. It's a very chilly picture and by tonight, even though all the wet weather will have cleared away, it's going to be a pretty cold night. Clear skies leaving way for a widespread ground frost and those temperatures dropping as low as minus three. So tomorrow getting off to, off to a dry but bright start with some very low temperatures. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating something train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's been an exciting morning. We've, uh, we have thought we'd try something different and it almost didn't work, but luckily it has. The marathon man from Kings Langley has arrived in the studio. We've been following his progress all morning on his run from Kings Langley to our studio here in Luton. Matthew Loddy previously ran 100 marathons in 100 days. Just, if you just run 18 miles in a couple of hours, that's got to be a piece of cake for you, isn't it? Not quite a piece of cake, but it was okay. Not too bad. You're doing uh, 30 marathons in 30 days that you're running for the Teenage Cancer Trust starting on Saturday. Some might say, uh, Matthew, that you're kind of letting the side down a bit because you've gone from 100 marathons in 100 days, 30 marathons in 30 days. What's wrong? You're getting old or something? What's the problem? (laughs) Well, yes, definitely getting old. Um, I did 100 marathons because I... uh, promised someone I would yeah um, so this is a different challenge it's to highlight Teenage Cancer Trust I'm running to and from uh, every Teenage Cancer Trust unit across Scotland England and Wales finishing uh, on the Saturday at University College Hospital London and doing the London Marathon on Sunday the 21st <laughs> I'm laughing because you're, you're just it's a ridiculous thing tell me about the 100 marathons first why there's a story behind that isn't there why you decided to do that Yes, there is. Um, one of our uh, colleagues at work and a very good friend of mine uh, called Philip Latham, unfortunately, he started working with us when he was 18 and unfortunately at 34 he was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Mm. He had a major operation. Uh, it was looking very good. He had some positive signs just before Christmas 2009 and uh, he went in for a little operation after Christmas in uh, 2010 and unfortunately they opened him up and said, um, unfortunately it's spread and, and that's it. There's nothing more we can do. Mm. We... In the build-up to him and all the positive uh, signs, we decided to set up a little charity and raise money for for cancer awareness, cancer care, and do a sponsored walk, 100 marathons in 100 100, uh, walk. 100 days right. uh, from London to Portugal um, when he was diagnosed that that was it, it unfortunately it was terminal he wasn't going to make it I, I didn't know what to say and um, I went in to see him very awkwardly he said well you've let me down on the sponsored walk uh, he laughed and it sort of broke the ice a bit and I said I, I couldn't stop myself speaking I said well I'll do it myself and I'll run it and I'll run 100 marathons in 100 days. And yeah. I, I couldn't, my brain was telling me to stop speaking, but my mouth carried on going. Well, listen, now, we've, we've all done that kind of thing where you, something comes out, it's like, who said that? Hang <laughs> on a second. How did, the, you, you claim you're not a runner. No, I'm not. I, I, I played football. 
I run short distances. I did a half marathon about 13 years ago. Yeah. It was my last distance. I do the odd 10K um, thing I used to do with Phil, actually. Uh, every now and again, we'd go and do a Watford 10K uh, and take sort of 55 minutes to do it. And I, I, um, I, I promised to do this, so I started training. Couldn't run over six miles. Met a fellow called Cliff King, who's an ultra runner. Went out with him. Changed my the way you think. Changed everything about me. Is it the mental process? Completely that's the mental key. process. Completely. So what? What did you change? Well, you have to stop thinking about running. I know that sounds strange, but right. if you think oh, you've got twenty six miles to do. It, it's killer you can't it's too far for me to comprehend if you think you've got to do 100 of them it's even worse yeah. so I just break it down into each kilometre and I'll do 42 kilometres 42.2 and I just break it down to that and that's how you said it just take the next kilometre at a time and get comfortable 90% rhythm 10% effort and the fitter wow. you get the easier it is to yeah. get a steady pace Karen uh, your wife is here morning Karen morning if you come a little bit closer to the microphone uh, what did you think when he said like, I know it's a weird setup we can't see each other right? what did you think when he said oh yeah I'm going to do 100 marathons in a hundred days well first of all i thought he was crazy yeah but i knew he would do it and obviously he was he was inspired by phil yeah um so yeah um yeah brilliant did, at no point did you think do you know what i'm, I'm going to join him with this because this looks like a fun thing to do i'm going to come and run these marathons as well did that ever cross your mind well, i did run a bit right but no I, di- I didn't ever do a marathon i right. just did uh we joined him on a couple and did sort of like a few miles so uh yeah has he uh, uh, has it made him fitter is he doing more around the house now because he's fitter no <laughs> oh really <laughs> much less oh he, he comes out and has one of those ice baths and then just put his fi- yeah. feet up watching eastenders is yeah, it that's right, right. yeah why why the teenage cancer trust now why have you moved to this charity specifically well it was something when we, when i spoke to phil and we looked at it we were on about cancer care um before phil went into the uh, final stages and his end of term care which was at the hospital st francis which was absolutely fabulous uh, Phil's attitude and Phil's approach I, I just had the horrible task of trawling through the internet looking at charities mm. and um, I looked at them all and, and Teenage Cancer Trust just jumped out at me yeah. it looked more like an advert for a concert than it did a, a cancer charity and the more I read it brought to light a situation where I met Phil when he was 18 years old I considered him a young person Teenage Cancer Trust is up to 25 mm. and it seemed extremely relevant to him um, I read about it um, the situation that I hadn't really thought of. If you're 16 years old and you get cancer and it's, you go into a normal cancer unit, you're in with the two-year-olds. If you're 17, you could be in with the 84-year-olds. Yeah. This is specifically designed to get people treated together with the specific treatments for their age group of cancers um, and recouping together and, and going through all their experiences together so they don't talk about cancer, they don't think about it. That's a given. They're sitting there, they've, they've, they're in these units, they have cancer. Mm. But they're all in the same stages. They all have no hair. They're all... And they're all talking about the X Factor or the football. Yeah. Or well, the they're th- talking about normal things kids talk people, about. I, I've done some work for Teenage Cancer Trust. They very kindly allowed me to introduce The Who live on stage once. It was one of the coolest moments of my life. And what people kind of think... People define people by their illness, don't they? So mm. it's, it's people with cancer, so they're going to be sitting in their beds just talking mm. about cancer. Of course they're not. These are kids. These are kids mm. who just happen to have cancer, but they're still talking about stuff that kids talk about and young people talk about aren't they oh they certainly are and you spend a bit of time in the in the units there's a new unit just opened up that we went up to um a couple of weeks ago and these kids when you spend time with them you mm. walk out and some of them are annoying some of them are yeah, just yeah, normal yeah. kids of course they are, and yeah. it's brilliant when you walk out with that attitude afterwards you think what a fantastic place yeah they're not being treated any differently they're getting the expert care that they need it's positive results coming out of it it's a very very worthwhile thing and there's still not enough units there's another three being built at the moment so that i think that make it 26 
Um, and round here, the nearest one is Cambridge to here uh, or central London. So there's a need for it and it, yeah. it needs to grow and it needs to get in as many areas as possible. Well, let's, let's do the business side so we can raise a few quid. You did, what's, how do people make a donation, Karen? They can make a donation by doing a text donation. Right. Um, which is text. It's run 30. Run 30. Yes. Text 70300. So text the word run 30, the number 30, to 70300. That's three quid. And that, yeah. that's three, three pounds in your charge, network charge. Three pounds goes straight to the charity. They get all of that, don't they? Absolutely. Yes, they do. There's yeah. no administration from us whatsoever. All the costs we, we, we pay for, so there's no... And is there a website or anything like that that people can come and yes, look at you at? Yes, there is. There's uh, www.frameworkfoundation.co.uk. Right. There's different ways people can get involved. I'm doing... Each day we're having sponsors. We've, we've sold the first 10 10 shirts mm. for this event we're looking you're for selling more. your sweaty shirts i'm selling my sweaty oh, shirts for dear. people to put their name on i've seen websites like that yeah. <laughs> for them to put their name on uh, we've had great response from companies so far we've got sold the first 10 so we're looking for the, the for the next 20 to go yep. the name gets put on they're the day sponsors um, and that obviously is a way to raise it people can make a one-off donation they can pay directly into there's paypal there's yeah. just giving everything's on the website what does it do to your body running that many marathons it can't be good for you. Well, it's different. It, it, for me, it hurt more at the beginning and, uh, than it does now. I've got a few injuries at the moment. I hurt my back about three weeks ago, which is causing a little bit of a sciatic problem down my right hamstring. Right. So that's a little bit of a problem. But as I've run more, I've learned how to run. Mm. I land more on the front foot instead of the heel. Yep. I'm changing trainers as I go along, so less cushioning and a bit, a bit lighter and, and a, a bit different to run. Yep. Learning how not to put the impact through your knees. I stopped playing football because I had knee operations, <laughs> and now I'm running without any knee problems. Wow. I get aches and I get pains and you get blisters and you get sore, but the same as anything else. And the general fitness level has, uh, has raised. And I've lost two and a half stone, so it can't be too bad. Well, don't lose any more. There's nothing <laughs> of you. You are making me sick. Just how, look how relaxed he looks like. He's just, just got up, strolled in, looking very nice, very yeah. calm. Uh, d- d- when you're doing this, and you said that it's, a lot of it is psychological, it's changing the way you're thinking. What happens if your mind goes off track a bit and you suddenly realise that you're on, on day 20 of, of, and you've got another 10 days to go? Or doesn't that happen? Are you completely no, trained now? No, to? no, that, that happens. On, on the 100, I was very focused on getting the, the challenge started. Yeah. And it was all a big send-off and it was, it was really emotional. And it, the first marathon went out of the way. My first marathon of this, I did it in 3.39. And I was ecstatic for about two hours. And 3.39's a good time as well. Yes, yeah, for the first one of the yeah. 100, it was very, very good. Um, and I did it, got, got back home, ready to, for, the, for the next day, and it dawned on me that I've <laughs> got to do it 99 more times. And that took a bit of straightening in my mind to yeah. f- refocus. And, and I have to, every now and again, sort of tell myself what I'm doing it for, what it's all about, and focus. And it's a good, it's a good challenge. OK, well, you're doing the London Marathon as well. What are the chances of you winning that? I'm not favourite right, to I'm, win it, I don't think. That's a shame. Well, listen, <laughs> Ma- Matthew, I, I think you're mental, but I think you're doing a brilliant job. Congratulations, Thank you very much. Karen. Uh, do you, do you, are you with him all the time, or do you kind of get some spare time at home? Bit no, of peace? I'm not with him all the time. And obviously, when he's doing the marathons, yeah. he likes to keep. We're going to be going back and forth, right. but he likes to keep very focused. And so you had you had Justin Dealey annoying you this morning. I can only apologise <laughs> no, for that. Him, him puffing away on a fag while you're you're running on. I'm listen, trying to convince them to join us in the Watford 10k. There's and no chance. Of, there's no chance of Dealey doing. That. I get look. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with that. Uh, listen, if you want to make a donation, uh, three quid donation, text the word run 30. So it's the word 
run the number 30 to 70300 uh, Teenage Cancer Trust receives 100% of every text donation uh, the donation costs £3 plus one standard text message Matthew Karen, thank you so much for coming in best yep. of luck we'll speak to you when thank you finish you. as well, we'll, we'll uh, we won't get you running in maybe we'll let you kind of get the bus in something <laughs> like that best thank of you luck very right much. that's uh, the end of the show look at that lot, what a lot we crammed in let's get the travel news now here's Adam Glynn Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Things starting to look a little bit better out there. Northbound M1's a bit slow, though. Delays from Junction 13 at Bedford through to 14 at Milton Keynes. And then there are roadworks, the hard shoulder closed, and a speed restriction from Junction 14 to 15. London bound, it's starting to ease off, though. Bricketwood through to Watford, Junction 6 to 5. M25's looking better, clockwise approaching the roadworks at Junction 23. Anti-clockwise, though, still queuing from Maple Cross to the M4 past the M40. In Chesant, you'll find it busy on the A10, particularly round Winston Churchill Way. Then through Enfield, it's heavy from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road. The A1 in Boreham Wood's been queuing most of the morning, still is, between the Holiday Inn and the A41 at Mill Hill. Trains across the three counties are looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Well, that's it for this morning. Thank you to everyone who took part. Thank you again to Matthew for running 80 miles just to come on. We should make all of our guests do that, I'm thinking. I'll be back tomorrow at 6. JVS is up next. Until then, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday. And on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, are you frustrated by our benefit system? As George Osborne is preparing to deliver today's budget, there are